Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 62, which is the 2015 film The Big Short, directed by Adam McKay, the same director of Anchorman, believe it or not. The Big Short is a comedy, kind of like Anchorman, but it's also kind of a horror film and a documentary about the housing real estate crisis that collapsed almost the entire world economy in 2008. A very interesting film, and better yet, it was actually a listener-suggested episode that we should do it, uh, and mainly because of all of the news that was going on in the subreddit group called Wall Street Bets, which is basically uh, the whole story of the GameStop shorting scandal situation. Anyway, we talk about that, we talk about 2008, and we talk about Wall Street, and we talk about the film. A really good good episode. Really enjoyed it. And thank you again to our listeners for suggesting great films that are relevant to do. And we will continue to do so. We would love your suggestions. All right. A couple of announcements. As you guys know, we have been doing now. Our episodes are now live on Twitch, and we are always welcome to join us there. We usually record our episodes on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you guys would like to join us, we would love to have you on and contribute to the conversation, especially in our chat channel. That is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant to subscribe to our channel on Twitch. When we don't record an actual podcast, we will record a watch party, which we do not release as podcasts, but are still a lot of fun. And we usually like to do films that are quirky or weird or basically something that we can talk over the whole time and enjoy. This Saturday, March 20th, uh, 2021, we will be recording a watch party of The Core from 2003, which is going to be a laugh riot because it stars some of the best actors in Hollywood doing probably the worst film they've ever done. So anyway, remember that Saturday, March 20th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we'll be doing The Core from 2003. But for this podcast, please enjoy The Big Short, directed by Adam McKay. We should be live. <clears throat> That's exciting. All right, let's we see. Should be live. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Hello, Jason. How are you? Hello. Just about to start Hello. everything. Jason <clears throat> is here. Yeah. A little early today. That's nice. Might as well. Just make sure we get all our QC problems and not interfere into the four hours of rambling that we're three hours of rambling. We've been doing. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to. You don't want to cut into the ramble. You don't want to cut in. Yeah, you know, our time is precious. We, That's we right. This, we, we don't. We don't waste it. We don't want to waste our viewers' time with pointless. Meandering. That, that's like when you when you stop too long at the gas station before the hike. You're like, let's get this going. We have many, 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 many miles of chaparral to walk through. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah. I hate those those things when you everyone's getting ready to leave the house and there's just just one more thing. Oh my god! Let's get in the car. Get in the car. Get in the car. What's the uh? What's the uh, uh, the one that I hate? It's also, when we're about to do it like a five-hour drive, and we're like a quarter mile away, and then they're like, "Oh no, I left the garage door open." <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Or, or what's worse is that you can't quite remember if you closed it. Yeah, and you're like, ah, shit. 
Well, we're going, we're going away, and then you come back, and you did, of course. Oh, there's a Dave 3D guy. Hello, Dave 3D guy. Dave is us. I would also like to uh, offer a shout out. Happy birthday to Dave 3D guy, which was yesterday. Happy nice. um, <clears throat> Does that make him 40? He is now 43. <laughs> no, 4D. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that then. <laughs> 3D, 4D, 5D. Hey, 40 guy. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Just Bro, you and I are getting to that uh, that year, buddy. They were turning the corner. This we're turning uh, the corner to the the other side of of the so the back century. nine, as they say. The, the back nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is uh, we're doing the three par right now, but still. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when when is it for you guys? Uh, mine is April second. Yeah. I'm turning Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Very excited. The nice thing for us, Dan, is that 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 jumps us up in the eligibility for the COVID vaccine. (laughs) That's nice. Exactly. See, I look look forward to it. And I'm looking at my video right now. And as far as as long as you don't see the rest of my body, I look pretty young for 49. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd say you know I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. Doing all right. It's a handsome crew. Okay, so it looks like it's three hundred one. Are we official yet? Uh, uh, is it three? Yeah, yeah, we're official. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Official. We're official. Hello, everybody. Welcome Martini Giant. Giant. To Martini Giant. Yay! <laughs> there we go. We've got about five viewers going. Uh, <clears throat> right on, right on. Uh, yeah, there we go. I got the. Uh, oh yeah, we get some. We can pick on some folks. Uh, yeah. All right. So, how's everybody doing? How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, Dan. Yeah. Weather's Busy. weather's good, generally speaking. Most most of the rest of the United States is under a lot of snow and ice and terrifying weather, but we seem to be, you know, seventy two and sunny here in California. <laughs> yeah, we uh there was a monstrously loud rainfall the other morning that I woke up to and I was in the middle of having a dream about a nuclear war. And yeah, so when I woke hmm. up and there was this thunderous noise going on, it was actually just rain, I panicked for a little bit and had this right. Yeah. But other than that, it's been pretty low key. Yeah. Well, that's how rare <laughs> rain is. It can actually cause pure nightmares, you know. It's it's horrifying. It's horrifying. We don't know what to do with it here in California. I don't know about the rest of the world, but uh yeah. it's that was the one the one time this year and we got all of it. Yeah. We did. <laughs> and it was it was uh it was a lot of wind too. Yeah, no, it's been heavy. It's been a heavy time. Yeah. But yeah, now now see now we officially we we're just talking about how uh where at least two of us are gonna be uh turning the corner to uh, 50 years old this year, and uh, we are just doing a little pre preamble about how much useless bullshit we're going to talk about the weather uh, for the rest right. of our lives. <laughs> we're leading right. into that. Yeah. This so is, I was uh, looking at the Weather Channel today, and they said it was going to be 73, but then Wonder uh, Wonderground said it was going to be 75. So I'm, uh, I'm yeah, no, that's a really, that's really a big into. conflict. That's right. Yeah. I, I do, however, I I actually do. Uh, uh, watch david lynch's weather report every day on youtube david lynch does a weather report yeah he's been doing it for years and it's only like you know 40 50 seconds long and uh he just he's up in the camera and he's just like hello everybody and, it, and the, the line he says every day is just like and it looks like there's going to be more of those beautiful blue skies and golden sunshine all along the way and then 
That's it. He does it literally every single morning and also pulls like a Powerball number, a single number from a jar. Nice. And, uh, today's number was eight, I believe. So for anyone who's That's pretty good. <laughs> Dave says, Dan, having nightmares about nuclear Armageddon wakes, him, wakes up in a global pandemic. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dave. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Thank God we're only in a horrible, horrible nightmare. Yeah. Mm. Slightly less of a nightmare, but still. Uh, but the movie that we're covering today is about a nightmare. It is about yeah. a nightmare. And it's a nightmare that uh, people are not paying attention that it's happening again. It's happening again. <laughs> yeah. Big big short two we're talking about. Yeah, the big short two. <laughs> Why is it that? We definitely have to not only say there is a nightmare coming, but why is it that people repeat themselves like that? We should cover a little bit. Because you change the name of it and then people aren't paying attention. I, exactly. I know, but why are they not paying attention after such a dreadful thing? Because well, it was years ago now. <laughs> no, so he said it fast in the movie. Everyone's like they're in an Enya video. Yeah, right. And everyone's still in an Enya video. Yep. Yep. No, it's well, uh, it's 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 the it's the thing that you know you're not paying attention to what this hand is doing when you're paying attention to you know the pandemic or Trump or whatever else is going on, right? People are making a lot of money off of other people, right? right. So uh, we I should mean, the movie we're talking about is The Big Short, and the sure. movie was a suggestion by one of our listeners. Who was the listener? Uh, no, I'm going to mispronounce your name, um, but uh, I really want to thank Gabor Abbas, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong in saying that, but they uh, wrote in to say you guys should cover the... Billionaires getting extremely pissed off about getting shorted story that's been happening for the past few weeks. Right. And, and I uh, have a lot of thoughts about this. this yeah, <laughs> this is definitely a... Uh, uh, this is definitely an interesting time. And I think that it's sort of doubly interesting because actually I talked uh, something I was also want to bring up because when we first talked about this and talked about doing this, uh, Chris, you and I talked, I, I mentioned like what should we, maybe we should do this as a double feature with something else, but I couldn't think of a movie. I mm -hmm. thought of the movie that we should have made and I want to make this an honorary uh, silent double feature conversation. We don't even have to talk about it, but just to throw it okay. out there. Brad Pitt's other movie about this exact same thing is uh, the one that he made. Uh, it's a crime movie uh, uh, with Brad Pitt wielding a shotgun. Uh, it's killing them softly. And it is a, a, a sort of a crime movie version of the ridiculousness of this exact same scenario. And it is one of my very favorite movies in the past 20 years. I've watched it a billion times. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix bombed when it came out everyone hated it now it's being looked on as a classic as it should brad pitt james gandolfini see it immediately that's the honorary uh other half of the double feature right so today, just this one today we're just doing this one now here's the thing that's interesting about this one for me i first watched it and it was a long time ago when it, when did the movie come out 2015 2015 yeah i think so okay so I didn't know that much about shorting when this came out. Right. And this no, movie, what's really good about this movie is it's taking, it, it does an incredible job of taking something that's extremely complicated and very boring <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. and making and it, it break it down. Right. Yep. And part, and part of the reason why this happened and continues to happen is because as they say in the movie, it's not just boring. It's intentionally made to be boring 
so you don't pay attention to it. Right. Like that's uh, the movie. The movie says like, you know, all this, this uh, like all this financial lingo that traders use is designed to keep you out. It's uh, you know, these are shibboleths and they, they're exclusionary and they're meant to be that way. So you feel like there's no way that you could possibly approach this stuff. Uh, and what happened when, like the reason why so many people were mad about, you know, Reddit users suddenly shorting big billionaires is because that's no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but no. To, I, I, I understand. Wait, 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 wait. wait. We're getting wrong. Dave yeah, no, is getting this wrong too. Before, said, before we get into that, before we get into that, before we get into that, wait, I just want to finish my statement. Wait, 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 wait. Before we, I just want, before we get into explaining it, I just want to finish what I was saying. So the reason why people are mad is because nobody understood what this was beforehand. Now we can clarify that I don't understand it also, but right. the, but the exclusionary nature of uh, everything that's going to be talked about is the mechanism through which this stuff happens. Right. And, uh, and that's what the movie is largely, largely about. Right. And, and I want to preface what the, I am not a extraordinary film though, in the way mm -hmm. they explain in that docu style in and they talk about cut into their lives with the voiceover. It's really brilliant yeah. editing. Fantastic. Like, yeah, right. and the whole explanation and how they keep you. Well, they make it hugely entertaining. They're like, Let's yes, make it entertaining. but the whole way is really smart. It's right. it's really just clever, clever. It's great. Yes. Right. So please so, continue. I'm sorry to cut so, you off. Okay, so 2015, 2015, I watched this, and I didn't know much about shorting. And it is a complicated thing. And they do some really clever tricks, like bringing in celebrities to try to explain metaphorically what's going on in these little 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 side things that and were yes, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Margot Margo Ruby Ruby, uh, uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Bourdain mm -hmm. and a bunch of other people talking about, you know, the different parts of what's going on. So really good and try to explain shorts. But let's we I want to get into a, a thing about shorts really for, for a little bit, because right now. This movie, the heroes, quote unquote, of this movie are the people that are shorting the, the, the bond, the, the, the bond, bond right? right? right. They're shorting it. These are the very millionaires that everyone was turning against on GameStop. On GameStop, yes. So, Correct. so the, it's 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 like it's like watching Rambo two and you're cheering for the Taliban. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, the Afghani the Rambo, freedom yeah, forces. Yeah. 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 Afghani freedom forces yeah. in, in 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 Rambo yeah. three Absolutely are true. actually the Taliban, <laughs> right. which were our enemy yeah. in another war, right? So right. The, the the thing that people are like, yeah, the big short is so cool, and you know what Steve Carell did. Now let's 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 put some perspective into shorting because there is going to be a double edged sword on this big one, and we should really take it into account. A lot of people, especially the GameStop people. Or the, the 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 what did I call it the the Wall Street bets uh, yeah. Reddit yes. group uh, they hate people who short stocks right and they feel that's all a bunch of uh, of venture capitalists out there who are taking advantage of the system and getting rich off of people's economy or people's misfortune right, right. shorting has in the past been a way to sound the alarm bell of fraud. Yes, that's true. Right? right? Enron was exposed through people that shorted Enron. Enron, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? This particular bond market of real Which estate was bonds exposed because was exposed people were shorting. By, right? <laughs> now, the question is, did they take advantage of the situation and profit on things? Yes. Yes. That's the story. 
that's the incentive to do it. Right. Otherwise, there's right. no incentive to sound an alarm bell unless you're going to get rich off of it. Well, one of the, one of the <laughs> best things about the one of the best things about the movie, and I think what makes the movie a what like what makes the movie a moral morally strong movie, is because finally at one point, Brad Pitt steps in and the other guys are celebrating after they make right. a shitload of money. You right just bet against the American economy. You just yeah. bet against the American economy. Like you're <laughs> you're becoming multi multi millionaires off of other people's suffering. He's essentially saying what's true is the money that you are now putting in your pocket millionaires is eventually the American people's money because they have to pay it to the people that are paying you now. Like right. they have to bail out the people who are paying you because if those people don't pay you, they're going to jail. And if those people have to pay you and they're out of money, then the American people have to pay it. So that's right. actually the American people's money you're pocketing. Right. Yes, but here's the here's the conflict of that too, is that when you're at the strip club and you're talking about this woman who's bought five homes plus a condo, right? Right. That is the American people. Oh, yes. of course, of course. And so, the responsibility too on their end, it, it there was such a balance in this film how they didn't just point a finger at one group at one side. It, it, yeah, like this it, is everybody's fault, right? Yeah, right. I mean. To the responsible side to buy that many homes plus right. a condo, so that's six mortgages you're floating. Right. Um, and half of the time, you know, she fudged the numbers or people fudged right. it. That's completely irresponsible. So jackasses in Florida who are like, yeah, we just make the money, we bring it in. And, uh, those you know those slick guys in Miami. Right. It's like they're just as bad. Well, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Like, the thing, like that's the thing is because the like the 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 difference between say uh, I bought a house in two thousand six just to put it in perspective. It was like <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I so, bought my house in two thousand eight when the market fell. Well, like there's like this is the way that I look at that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the uh, you can say because you could say the same thing about say drug dealers and drug users. Like people should be responsible about not using drugs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's as much their fault that their life is fucked as the drug drug dealers are. That is true, but the thing is you can depend upon drug dealers to exist forever. Drug I'd rather drug drug users to exist forever. And they are part of the reason they exist is because they are irresponsible people. So as a sort of like as a mechanism, you can't cure that. Like you can't make people smarter about their own personal choices. But you can make it very fucking illegal to sell drugs to people like that and prey on them. Like so, that's it's the, the bank's that's fault the, for for allowing those. But here's the thing, guys. Well, it's well, not just allowing it. Like actually, actively going after those, preying on those people. Like yes, you can't but, do anything about the but fact here's that people how they are, preyed people on it. Let's be honest with this, guys. And I don't want. I'm an independent. I'm not going to get into the fucking politics of this. Right. But let's just take a step back at 2002. Redlining, the banks redlining, was the Democrats went after that and they mm -hmm. killed a lot of redlining by banks. So anybody could get a home. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, there's there's, there's, no, there's, so no, when you're taking there's no political banks, angle in this at all. Like they're everyone in government is complicit with the banks. That's period. right. That's <laughs> like, right. This is, and this is not a Republican Democrat. I'm not this is a literally everybody. She's, you know, she's, right. I, I just, for me, I had a friend who had about eight, Homes, yeah, right? Which and is the market fell, and right. it went completely. It's absolutely done. Right. I, I know two people, but he, this guy, had eight, and right. he went completely um, under. I mean, right. I think but, he kind of got his feet together about two years ago. 
No joke. I mean, it was brutal. And I just couldn't understand how you'd want to balance that many, you know, mortgages, you know, houses. Well, this, I mean, do you remember, a, remember and in LA, okay, remember this in LA, right? Like back around, you know, 2005, 2006 or 2004, all the way through those times. It's like, there was no, the, the rule of thumb, right? For you to buy a home is you should buy a home. The most home you could afford is three or four years salary. I believe that's what it was, right? Right. So, so in order to buy a home, Let's say you made $100,000 a year. That's a lot of money to make. Not mo right, Most yeah. people don't make $100,000, but let's say you're making 100000 The biggest home you could buy technically is 400000 You couldn't get shit for $400,000 in Los Impossible. Angeles. Impossible. Impossible. Right? You'd get a small condo, a right. very right. small condo for $400,000. Right. If, if your credit is absolutely tip-top, then maybe that. Maybe. You, you basically have to get a million-dollar home or right. $900,000 home. And right. the fact is people who were making $100,000 were buying million-dollar homes. And the sure. way they did it was just to, so for so some people may not realize this, but you know because not everyone is you know in the United States. But pretty much a bank can only you have to have a minimum of twenty percent down mm -hmm. to to get your mortgage, right? So that means you have to have to have twenty percent. Let's say it's a million dollar home, you have to have two hundred thousand dollars that you can give to the bank as down payment of your home to make that home happen, right? right. Very few people have $200,000. So uh, considering how many people were buying homes. So you would get a second mortgage on your house before you even bought it, an equity right. loan, right. an adjustable mortgage or adjustable uh, uh, interest rate. Uh, what, what were they called? Uh, 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 <laughs> What's it called? What's what was it called? The adjustable rate mortgage or whatever they were called. Uh, yeah, APR? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, right. the thing. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Right. So, and these rates were ridiculous, but they said, "Don't worry about it, mm -hmm. because the house will go up in value so fast that you won't even you'll you'll get that twenty percent within three months." Housing <laughs> always goes up. The the it goes up the value by a always lot. Goes up. Absolutely. People always were making people up. were. I remember a guy who bought a house in a DD, and he says, "My house value is going up thirty thousand dollars a week." That's crazy. Yeah, totally. And this, so this is the a thing, week. Right? It's like I don't have to worry about my down payment. It, just the act of he, he's a the, the I buy the house. The down payment takes care of itself within a few months. Right. <laughs> right. And so, like this, this is the thing about this movie. With the genius of the movie is that if if we're to reframe it like a uh, reframe it a different way. Like there are uh, wolves and there are sheep, right? You can't stop wolves from being wolves. They're going to be wolves, right? You can't stop sheep from being sheep. They're going to be sheep. There's going to be the fucking guy that buys eight houses because he can, right? But there's a middle character in that story, which is the shepherd who keeps things from flying off the fucking handle. That's the person that is at fault if all the sheep get eaten and then the wolves starve. And that means the shepherd is us. Like it's the regular everyday person who, as you said, is now just sort of tripping out to Enya songs and ignoring all this shit. Like that is the actual problem. Like, yes, there's always fucking morons who will go and buy eight houses, which makes no financial, financial sense. And there's always wolves who will go, Hey, let's go prey on some morons. But right. if we are the ones, we, the regular everyday in the middle people that are in control and we decide not to, to cede the control to the wolves, it's not a fucking surprise when we don't have anything to eat 
vis-a-vis uh, -vis mutton because the sheep right. are gone. <laughs> like yeah. that's that. Like it's it is the fact that we do not recognize what is happening. You want to regulate happening. our economy? Right. Shame on you, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> like and the then the regulators are us. When it's not, you know, people in you the You expect banks. everyone to do the right thing? <laughs> this is this is what the movie is arguing for, is wake up and be a part of the system so you can stabilize it. But Otherwise, you I will be fucked. I promised that my house would go up $30,000. First of all, that's the thing, right? This was the promise. People were buying houses like it was the gold rush. Of course. Right? And, and the more were... that happens, the more normalized it becomes, even if it yes. makes no sense. And if you feel like you're losing out on it, then right. you're it's a problem. Same Everybody thing I know has a house. Yeah. Exactly. By the way, the same exact thing happened with the GameStop stock. Mm -hmm. Everyone right. was buying it like it was the gold rush, right? Yeah. And I and I don't care what people saying we were doing it just to show the man. Like that's BS. Yeah, no, it's a man made up way more money than any of the redditors did. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you think the fucking money is going to? Yeah, <laughs> like, the stock dropped sixty percent. Guess who made a bunch of money? The shorters. <laughs> mm -hmm. Within that, though, when there was a moment in the third act, the beginning of the third act, where they were talking about how they went to the uh, they went to the SEC, right, or who, whoever's verifying. Oh, they went. To, they went to Standards and Poor's. Yeah, yeah, S and P, and yeah. everyone's in on the. I mean, it's like everybody. Nobody yeah, they were buying talks. the ratings. <laughs> there's there's two ratings groups, and each one was saying we can't devalue it because reports. they'll just go to the other ratings group, which means Moody's, that yeah. ratings are useless. That's right. right, right. And so, like the the all of this stuff is simply people making incredibly opportunistic choices all the time without thinking about anybody else or. Uh, about whether it makes any sense. It's literally everybody at every level of the movie. And like the only people that uh, that you can root for are the people that are paying attention. And in the big short, they're the bad guys. Like right. ultimately, the, like, you know, Christian Bale and all this, like, you know, like they're the heroes in the movie because they're pointing it out to us. Right. But like the reason why you have Ryan Gosling, I think it's brilliant. Like Ryan Gosling is the most honest of those characters. He's like, I am a fucking asshole and I am here to rip you off. Like right. that's my job, and that's what I'm doing. And he speaks like one too. Yeah, which is oh amazing. Like, like one, he acts like one. He is one, yeah. right? Yeah, but he is like the 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 value of him as a hero, and the other ones as a hero is that you feel like it, well, at least someone's paying attention, right? And then the movie right. at the end, uh, essentially, especially with Steve Carell, like Steve Carell wants to quote stick it to the big the guys who the the big guys who fuck everybody over all the time, and right. at the very end, he is emotionally shattered when he has to sell the stock because he's like, now I'm just one of those fucking assholes. Like yeah. I was, I was, I was in it to hurt them, but in fact I became one of them. You know, so, like, well, he was, here's uh, the thing, right? The, he was, but he, to understand his decision-making because he was, like you said, a wolf. He wants to make money. He's super smart. He runs by his own game, but he's that conflict with his brother. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I, the fact that he couldn't come to a resolution with his brother means that for me, I sense that he couldn't make a decision on anything else. And right. so it was hard to read him as what, you know, his true character was because well, he was like, his character was rage. Right. And this, this is something like to broaden the conversation a little bit. Like the, the thing that I think is really fascinating about this movie. I mean, this movie is written, uh, is, is based on the book by, uh, Michael, uh, what's his Lewis. name? 
Uh, and uh, he also wrote uh, Moneyball, if I'm not wrong. I mean, and I think he wrote Barbarians in the Gate at the gate. And, and yeah, like and Money, Moneyball is a real favorite movie of mine. I'm not even, I don't know anything about sports really at all. But uh, but Moneyball is a really beautiful movie, and I've seen it a zillion times. And I think that the like the 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 argument that both of these movies make, uh, like regardless of what their subject matter is, is uh, if you are giving in to uh, rage, or if you're giving into an, emo- an emotion of the moment, and uh, if you're not uh, trying to get some perspective, you're probably not just fucking it up for yourself. You're probably fucking it up for everybody, right? And uh, and so, like watching the movie, I came out like, yeah, there's like GameStop, uh, GameStop t- uh, uh, stuff to talk about. There's, you know, this is all happening again. Wall Street stuff to talk about. But ultimately, I was like, this is something that affects us all in a very in a much more broad and powerful sense in that like our entire um the way that we treat each other all over the place in 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 the social era in the social realm is like steve carell like we're really fucking mad at everybody all the time and we can't even hold ourselves in check right and that is the thing that ultimately fucks him as a uh like he thinks he's fighting the good fight for uh to 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 stick it to the big guys right and in the end he's like oh wait a minute i became a bad guy you know and i was really i I think it's great really pretty moving i was just like this that dude is like that dude thinks he's doing the right thing i don't think i think he knows he was being a bad guy the whole time he just was dreading he was dreading the moment that he had to sell because he knew that's what he was doing, but he knew he that's was true. doing a bad time this, the whole time. Because all he did is he looked at all the bad guys, short that guy, short everything that guy touched. Right. Like you remember, he was doing that. Short it, but he's doing. That's what I'm saying. He's doing it vindictively. Yes. He's not, doing, he's not even doing it because he wants to make money. He's doing it because he wants to hurt the people he feels feels deserve being hurt. Right. And in the no, end, or maybe because his brother seemed like he was doing the same thing as him. Sure. Well, I mean, like, and I'm just saying, like, like he literally says, he says it out loud, this is why I'm doing this. So that's why I'm saying he's doing it. But, like, I think you're right about the brother. And, like, this, they don't go into very much detail about why his brother committed suicide. But obviously, like, he feels some kind of horrible pain, unresolved pain over this that he is mm. chasing. You know, and I think that in the end of the movie, he loses again. But here's one thing that I noticed in the movie, and I have saw this before. But Michael Lewis, I believe, I'm almost positive that he did Barbarians at the Gate. Okay? That takes place in the 80s. And that, for where I was raised, I had friends who I grew up with whose fathers were in that book. Oh, interesting. I'm not going to say their names, but they were some of the key guys in that book. So now it's a generation for me watching this, like, Jesus, like... It's the same author. It's, you know, Barbarians was from the 80s. And now um, Christian Bale's character, he was born in 71, who he's based on. So here are the kids, essentially, of the people, the, the, of the people from the, the same 80s. Guys, right? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, of course. Nothing has changed. They right. are the same thing as their father. And they will do the same thing. And I felt... With Carell, because honestly, I my brother used to work for years, you know, in Wall Street, and I used to go down to visit him when I lived in New York. It was crazy. He did derivatives, but it was like all those guys were spot on, like exactly like that. And 
I just felt like with Corral, he it was more about facing himself, facing his brother's death. Sure. Right. Um, right. And you hear about people like that who work on Wall Street and then they take their lives um, because the pressure and the drugs and you're chasing these things. And you said something earlier about the wolves. You know, they're wolves. I was like literally watching. Um, they're wolves. Yeah, of course. And I was like, man, I could. I remember used to go down there. I'd be like, there's no way I could work at a place like this. Like you'd eaten alive like right. day one. And I, I just knew. But the that type of person you can't contain. They're always course, yeah. hustling. Just like I'm not going to say. You know, my brother works in business. It's just there's oh, you can't stop that. So who is to stop that? If Us. the government, <laughs> yeah, but how? Because the stripper was buying, you know, buy a couple shirts. But think sure. that people, people think they, they did that with the Reddit stop, you know, the Reddit group, right? They think that they sh went to go show Wall Street. They didn't. No, they right. didn't. They failed. They, they, they don't think they did. They think they succeeded, but they didn't. No, like the, the, like the thing is, I mean, I, I agree that there is a there's a really powerful story about, uh, you know, uh, suddenly like realizing that you actually have control and power. It's it's there for sure. You know, like the a lot of people made a lot of money, and that's great. Uh, everyone who did that on Reddit was essentially like Steve Carell, and Steve Carell is not the good guy of the story. You know, like the like then like the the good guys of the story, like there are no good guys in the Big Short. Like the, there are, there are nothing but, uh, victims and people who didn't do anything, you know, that's pretty much, there's victor, there's, there's wolves, there's sheep. And, and then there's the shepherd who's asleep at the switch and that's us. Like, because you, Eric are not the stripper, right? Like, and you're not the wolf, right? But you know that if you don't fucking step in between these two things, it's going to be a bloody disaster, right? That's who I'm talking about. And these are the people, a la me, who don't do anything about this stuff. They listen to Enya and trip out down the street eating hot dogs. Like, we get distracted by everyday life, which is totally understandable. The wolves that create all of these uh, mechanisms to make money uh, create them uh, to be complex and non-understandable and use lingo that we don't want to even bother to learn. So they can manipulate it even harder. We pay less attention. And then this happens again. I, I, you're right. And I feel like the best part of this movie, uh, for me following through was when they went to Vegas, because it's such a fabricated thing of what wealth and money, it's almost like you buy into that American dream. It's like a really compressed JPEG of the American dream, Las right. Vegas, you know, like all ugly no, and yeah. right. Yeah. And it's like all these guys with suits coming around yeah. and honestly, no joke. Um, one of those characters that they had in the movie who they were portraying, I, uh, well, through somebody, know the son-in-law of him. And it's like that guy made so much money and lives the rest of his life. And I could never believe that. I was like, how could you live with yourself? But they live with themselves. Right. If you walk away with a buck 60, 160 million, you can live with yourself. And that is yep. the a distorted version of the American dream. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have that much money, but it's, it's everyone's not wrong to for themselves. Money. And I really think the thing is steal and ask for forgiveness later. Uh, well, yeah. Well, the thing is that everybody in every, the movie says what, like what the, the core 
sin that's happening here, like the core mistake that's being made is that people are acting on opportunity only. They're not thinking about long-term anything. Like they're not thinking that, you know, oh, maybe housing values will not go up at some point. Or they're not like, they're, they're thinking about, they're, even though they see all this evidence before them of just like, oh, wait a minute, this is a big bag of shit. But the but the but the but the the uh, the uh, you know the AAA people say it's AAA, so I guess it's fine. Like but, it's obviously well, not fine. There was a thing where you always felt like there is a system, right? Mm -hmm. And how can you get wedged in a system? Then they're down there at those abandoned homes and uh, parks in Florida, and they knock on the door, and this guy answers, and he looks like you know like East LA kind of guy. And he's right. like, Oh, I just was trying to get, got my son into a good school district. Right. There's another person trying to work the system. Not that it's bad, but well, he, he's right. only paying rent, right? Like he sees like, yes, like that yes, yes. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. There's a couple things I want to note. Okay. First of all, there's a lot of details in this thing that not, not necessarily all of our listeners are going to know about and certain things that maybe we could, we could help with some explanation and especially on the, in the plot of this film, but let's start with the idea of this film where it was. And then you guys can interrupt and, 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 and put your pieces in all these things as well. But I definitely want to go through There's So, so much we can discuss. Uh, but first of all, this is basically the story of the 2008 financial crash that happened in the United States. Right. And a 2008 financial crash happened because the U.S. housing market collapsed. It wasn't the first time this happened. They pointed out at the beginning of the movie where Christian Bale says in the 1930s it happened before. Mm -hmm. Right now, the, the 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 just to put this in perspective, what this story, what this movie is about, is about people who are going to short, and I'm going to explain short in a second, but who are going to short the housing market, which at that time seemed insane, like the most crazy thing to do. Yeah, that's but, like betting for a horse to run backwards at the track. Yeah. Right, it just doesn't make any sense. So, what is what what the housing market done? So, when you did, they they do a great job of this movie. Banking is really boring. You want to buy a house. You don't have enough money to buy that house outright. So you go to the bank and get a loan. This is very typical. Everyone's been dealing this this forever. You right. go to the bank, you get a loan. The, the bank owns your house and you're slowly paying that bank back. And the bank makes money on the interest that you're paying for your loan, right? And this is all set by normal standard things. Right. What happened around, was it in the 70s that the guy decided to conglomerate them? I think, yeah, I think it was the late 70s, 78, 79. Right. Uh, yeah. So he invented this new thing, which is called a bond, right? Which is going to be, we're going to take all of these loans that people have, put them together into one big group called a bond, and you invest in that bond. That value of that bond is going to go up because people are paying their mortgages. Who right. doesn't pay their mortgage is literally the line they use, right? You pay your mortgage. That's what you do. It's the American dream. And I want to get into that for a second because the American dream of owning a house is literally much more of an American dream than any other country out there. Right. We've yes. incentivized, we've incentivized home ownership as the driver of this economy for far, far too long. That and purchasing like consumerism is 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 entirely the american economy is based on buying Vegas things was the most revealing thing it's just like well, they all go to vegas to right like, they all go to vegas to get a like a complete understanding of what's going on right so so basically our the reason we and this is since the war right we we offer uh you can deduct 
the interest rate of your mortgage on your uh, on your taxes. Mm -hmm. That is, we have subsidized home ownership, ownership as yeah. as a, as an eco economic factor in this in this world, right? Even more so than that, a lot of especially regional economies, the city and state you live in, rely on property tax, right, for your economy to work. So if you pay a lot of property tax, it's because you live in a very expensive home, right? Because it's based on the value of your home. That property tax goes towards your community uh, uh, things that are happening, right? Cool. School specifically. If you live in a poor neighborhood, you have a shitty school. If you live in a rich neighborhood, you have a good school. This is this is the American way. It's not and, like this in other the countries. Most backwards thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. But go ahead. Right. <laughs> right. If in France, the lycée is the lycée. It's the same no matter which neighborhood you live in. Right. right? It's the same school. You have the same quality of school yeah. no matter what neighborhood. So you are incentivized to become richer, to get to buy a home, or as that elder guy did, rent a home to right. put them into a school, good school district. You are doing this. You have to be rich in order to, to make sure that your kid can go to a school and succeed. Right. And it's and people will risk everything of to course. do that. Right. I mean, entire, for for right. instance, like, like the guy who answers that door, which is actually a really great sort of like – sort of cinematic trick because like he opens the that guy who answers the door in the house right when they go to florida he yeah. opens the door and he's got huge tattoos and he looks like a dangerous he's framed as a dangerous person when you open the door right yeah. and so the first him. thing you the first thing you do is go oh look at the scumbags that they're that they're 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 getting to buy these houses right that's the initial reaction that the audience oh, this guy does not have. should not afford be able to afford this house Right. This and way. so then it is quickly revealed that he does not own this house. He is renting in this house from someone who is defaulting on their home loan. Right. He doesn't even know that part. He actually right. he says, but I've been paying my rent. That's he's been paying his rent. He's been responsible from his point of view, he's been a responsible person. And like it looks like he struck a good deal to rent this great space for this much money that he can afford. Right. right. And like for, for this guy, he's just like, I'm just a fucking dude who's trying to get into a decent school district for my kid. And I right. locked into this thing. Like he's not making a mistake. He's not a scumbag. Nope. He's not doing anything like that. He yep. is renting from someone who's like, "Can you? Believe I didn't think I'd be able to buy a home in this neighborhood." And but this guy, but but the, you know, I went to the I went to the bank that gave the the loan to me anyway, and now I have this house, and I can just pay it off because I can definitely get renters. Like right. that's a perfectly reasonable, very small, short short term. Uh, thing to do and then above that you have people that go well i can sell it to this guy even though you know he's kind of a risk because i got a fucking huge payoff from just get hooking the bank up with this guy to loan the money because right. the, the debt itself is valuable right. right so so basically now you've you've got a general idea of how the how the u.s economy has been operating for for decades buy a house get a mortgage but what happens is that mortgage gets sold and put get put into a bond so very often, and this happened, you know, I'm sure Eric, it happened to you, it happened to me. We buy the house, we get the mortgage. Three days later, we get a letter that our mortgage has been sold to another bank. Yes. Oh, like, yeah. Immediately, right? Not even three days, dude. It's pathetic. It's yeah. it's amazing, right? So they immediately take your mortgage and bundle it together and, to, and, and do some other things. So this is basically what's happened. There's these big groups of mortgage and tons and tons and tons of people are buying these bonds, millions of them. Because right. it's like a sure thing, 
Right. We're just, this value is always going to go up. It's always going to go up because people are always paying their mortgage according to this, right? Right. But the way that these mortgages happen is that they bundle a bunch of stuff and they label them as how, you know, some people don't pay their mortgage, but that's okay. Most of the, most of most the people of in the do. bag do, right? Right. So you have, and they rate these loans depending on how well people or likely people are going to pay their mortgage as triple A, double A, A, B, double E, et cetera, et cetera. And these are the different tier or they're called tranches, right? Tranches. Yep. Right. So these are different tranches. Now what's happened is that they're labeling everything as triple A when most of it is dog shit, as they said. Well, that's what became true. Like initially when they, when they built the, uh, when they built the uh, CDO, like they're putting all this debt in a big bag and they say, most of these debtors are good for their debt. So this is valuable. Like 95% of these people in this ba of bag of debt that I'm selling you mm -hmm. pay their bills. So this is worth that money. Right. And the thing that happened is that instead of having two or three people in the bag who are defaulting, it's actually 75 to 80% of the bag is defaulting. Right. And then you are still selling that bag as if it is a bag of money instead of a bag of shit. Right. Yeah. And that's criminal. That's criminal. Yes. So what was really interesting is, and it's, it's, it's all starts with Christian Bale. And I really liked his character too, because he's the guy who's basically just it was definitely, you know, he does a really good job of portraying someone who has awkward social skills, definitely right. high Asperger syndrome, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, a physical ailment that makes him uncomfortable in social situations with his glass eye, which he did a really good job of portraying oh, that. Yeah, like, great performance. Yeah. Really Russell good performance by him. But he's really basically looking like there's something not right with these numbers. And my job is to identify these opportunities, right. <laughs> or in this case, problems right. and profit from them or, 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 or spend the money of this hedge fund uh, uh, to uh, in, in what makes sense. And what I really thought was interesting is like, I want you to look at these uh, uh, at these groups and he goes, well, they're, they're all fine. They're all AAA rated. It's like, no, no, no. Go into the actual mortgages of these houses, of these, of and these thousands and thousands, and thousands, thousands. He goes, but there's thousands of them. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Just right. go into that. But that's the thing. And that's what he said at the beginning of the movie. The only difference that he did is he actually looked. Right. No one else was looking. Right. Which is yeah. basically the theme of the movie. Right. Right. No one nobody's, else was looking. Nobody's looking. And this is everyone's asleep at the wheel. Right. Yeah, exactly. So so let's talk a little bit about what shorting means because this is kind of an important part of it. And I don't know if everyone knows the logic of shorting. Does everyone know what shorting actually means? I know most people think it's betting against a bank or betting against the thing, but does anyone know how it actually works? You're, yeah, so we should explain because there are many people listening as well that aren't here today. But right. yeah, like that, that, that when, when you were shorting something, you're not there's a good analogy for this. So, so I'm going to use an analogy and let, let me pretend I have an iPhone, okay? Or let me pretend that Dan has uh, an iPhone and you have that iPhone and that iPhone uh, right now, you, you just bought it and it costs... Uh, $1,000, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm if I believe that the value of that iPhone is going to be less than $1,000, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, loan me your iPhone and I'll give it back to you in a year, right? And you say, okay. And then you basically say, so I, I don't owe you money. I owe you one iPhone. Right. which is in this case one stock 
right? Or one bond or whatever it is. So what I do with your iPhone is I immediately take it and I sell it, okay? Right. So once I sell it, I know that it was worth $1,000, so I, I lose $1,000 immediately when I sell that iPhone. Mm -hmm. So I have to pay all that money. That's what Christian Bale had to do. He basically bought a shit ton of stock and sold it immediately. Right. Right. And so that's that's what he's doing. He's getting all he's they're giving him all the stock and he's gonna sell it immediately. So the key is those people are like, woo, now we have a bunch of cash, right? Right. So what happens is now that I have that iPhone, after a year, that iPhone, iPhone devalues quite a bit. Right. Now you can actually go on the street and buy an iPhone for two hundred dollars. So right. I buy an iPhone for two hundred dollars. And I give you back your iPhone. Right. So I only paid $200. So that means $800 I keep. You put it in your pocket, right? Exactly. I put it in my pocket, right? So but what that happens is if the iPhone makes money. What if it, the value of the iPhone goes up, Chris? Right. You're stuck. <laughs> you now, have to pay. That is the key part that's very important. Shorting is infinitely risky. Mm -hmm. Shorting is infinitely risky. I meaning that iPhone, you got to pay that iPhone. I was listening to a podcast uh, like a couple weeks ago pertaining to they were saying that some of the, the shorting techniques were started by farmers in the late 19th century. Interesting. That's fascinating. Hold on, hold on, let, me, let me explain what I mean by infinitely risky. It, and I'll use the I'll use the uh, I'll use the GameStop analogy, right? Let's say I'm a guy and I bought GameStop stock and I paid a thousand dollars worth of GameStop stock. Right, and it's a thousand dollars a share or whatever. Right, then it drops down to ten dollars. Right, yeah. I've already spent a thousand dollars. It's just I'm not getting it back. You know what I mean? I right. I'm not losing any more money than I've already put in. Right. I took a risk putting it in. That's how it goes. And then it's gone. Right. It's gone. When okay. you're shorting something. <laughs> You're taking that money, and if that value of that stock goes up, you know, to a million dollars, you I owe a million dollars. Yes, because you so it, to, to bring it, it back to the iPhone, you have, risky. you have to give the iPhone back. That's the deal. Like right. you owe them one iPhone, and if you have to buy an iPhone for a million bucks to give them back the iPhone. You better you do, do it, it or you're going to jail. Right. <laughs> so it's infinitely risky to be shorting something, which is why people were so pissed off at Christian Bale, right? Yes. He's like, give me my fucking money back. And it's like, because yep. it's, it's every day, it's money that they're losing and it could infinitely go up. It is right. really, 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 really risky to short something. So you better be damn well, sure really, about really, really ballsy, <laughs> really ballsy, yeah, exactly. right? Right. And, I, and, really, and I'm going to get into shorting. Like I'm not actually defending shorting at all, but I just want people to realize the risk that's, that's the involved, mechanism. Yeah. Right. right. And why you do that. And it is literally a way to, uh, if you look at what he's doing, what Christian Bale did is like, I'm noticing, uh, you know, a kink in the armor. And this is what I think right. we could we we should identify. That set off the alarm bells to all these different people. He wasn't necessarily – you could see how he was going to the meetings. Like, I just want to get as many as much stock as you want, as much stock as you want. And people were like, wait, why is he buying all this stock? Right. That, that – so when you combine these two things, right? Yeah. When you combine these two, the the ability to short things, right? Which mm -hmm. is what Christian Bale is doing. What the reason why he is shorting the big banks is because the big banks have invested heavily in this concept of CDOs and even more importantly, synthetic CDOs, right? And those things are what we previously talked about, which is 
collected bags of debt from people who do do. Yeah, Ooh. like, like, uh, which will like ostensibly they sell these things because you'll make money on them because everyone in the bag of debt will continue to pay their debt and that's right. what makes you money. But in fact, because there's a limit of houses that you can actually sell, right? There's a limited, a limited number of people and a limited number of houses that you can sell, right? right? So you reach these people, like they reach the end of how many people they could sell to legitimately, right. but they wanted to keep on making money selling these loans. So they had side bets. <laughs> so they, so they, first of all, they lower their standards of who they're selling, getting loans to, right? right? Which poisons the, the bag of debt that you have. And right. then you have this bag of debt, right? It starts to turn toxic, but while it is turning toxic, people are making side bets on that bag of debt. So it is becoming doubled and then quadrupled and then it's a it's a geometric progression of debt as that right. bag is resold and resold and resold and resold and resold and the thing is that this creates so much debt that it becomes impossible to cover it like right. it's totally impossible because if all that debt came came due then bear stearns wouldn't have the money to pay it period right yeah what actually happened. Right. That's why it was a disaster. So right. like the, the, cause, and, and to further explain one quick point is like, there's a concept in American government and the way that we work with the fed, which is an independent bank that we're tied with that runs all of our money. Right. Like the, the fed has the ability to create money, like create money by fiat. Right? They did. Right. They did. They, <laughs> the reason why you would do this is because if you do it in very small amounts, it adds money into the into circulation because it's just it's just created out of nothing, and uh, it adds money into circulation. And people suddenly have money. The economy frees itself up, and you can get out of uh, stagnancy, right? But the they, like people that do this mostly know that you can only do it in little bits because you're not actually creating money. You are creating a work debt that someone must pay in the future. The American people have to do the work that that money represents eventually. Right. Like you do it a little tiny bit. We get, a, we're taking a loan from future work. We right. take a, by creating money by fiat, we take a loan from future work. It lubricates the economy right now, saves our ass right now. And then it eventually catches up and we do all the work and we pay that loan back. Right. Banks, when they create things like CDOs or all these weird, like these very strange mechanisms of debt, are doing it so it's so complex that you don't understand what you're really investing in, right? And the reason why they do that is because the way that they think about creating money is it's not my problem. Like yeah. I'm going to create an infinite amount of money in this big bag uh, in this big bag of debt by betting on it and then folding it in and then betting on it again and then folding it in and betting on it again. And now the debt the debt load of any particular bag might be up to a you know, $250 billion, right? And I can have that money immediately because I'm the bank or I'm the owner of the bag. But eventually that money has to be paid in work. And right. that's what happened is like the, the Bear Stearns goes, oh, I can't pay this payback for, for the bag because it went bad. I have no right. money left. I collapse. That's when the government steps in and has to pay it. How do they pay it? With taxes. Tax with who paid the taxes us how do we do it through work yeah. right 
that's the actual full circle problem. You have people at the people out in financial fucking, you know, interstellar space making up nonsense things to sell, which creates such vast debt that nobody on earth could pay it. And then they force us to pay it anyway. And we are just giving them money. And there's no way out of it because if we don't, literally everything shuts off. That's yeah. it. Like when they're talking about a financial apocalypse, like it was like, there's no other, there's no other way for it to happen. Like uh, there's a great report and um, NPR did called the giant pool of money. And this was, was put out while this was happening. It was the first thing I heard about it. And it scared the shit out of me. They're just like, so this is what happens. It's like Walmart doesn't pay, um, pay employees out of their Walmart bank account. Like they pay it through like a, a debt pool with the bank, right? If the bank is gone. You don't get paychecks. Right. That's it. You like, you're like, like if this, if, if they had not paid the, paid these, uh, paid off the money, uh, after the collapse, if they hadn't pay, paid to save these banks, then literally everybody like America goes from, you know, 3% joblessness to say 78% joblessness. Right. You know, and then trucking stops where you can't deliver food. Like that's within a couple of weeks. Like that's the, that is the risk that these people who designed these fucking things were willing to take. They're like, fine. Well, it's immediate money for me. I don't care if America literally collapses and people starve. I'm going to take the money. Right. That's what they were thinking. Now, I mean, realistically I speaking. Ask for forgiveness later. Yeah, exactly. And now realistically speaking, the reason why they took the, why they said, you know, fuck, fuck them is because they know there is no Mad Max world. Of course, the American government is going to pay it. Yeah, like, they always know they have that cushion. They have that cushion. So they're just like, you know, well, there it is. And in the financial world, that is called moral risk. Because once you know the game is up and you're going to get paid no matter what kind of legal shit you get, what you do, you're going to do that illegal shit because you're going to get paid. Who cares? Like Mad Max world is not going to happen right. because Mad Max world is a threat. And if you are, and, and there's no government in the world that's going to say like, I'm going to let my people die and not pay the banks. That's the system we're in right now. And in between these things that go that go on, we forget about that, and then it happens again. So there's everybody is to blame in this. There are the sharks, the, the wolves that are creating these things. There are the sheep that are just buying into it when they should be thinking better of these options. And then there's the people, the vast amount of people in between, like us who do absolutely nothing to stop it in between time. Well, that's the point, right? That's the yeah. point of shorting is to basically, is, you know, if you incentivize monetarily a reason to identify flaws in the system by shorting things, right. it's incentivized to do so. Mm -hmm. It's incentivized so that you'll get paid to, right. for doing that, right? Now, people take advantage of it <coughs> a big time. Right. A lot of people short something and then put out the news about it being bad. Right. So right. the problem with sh shorting things, and this is true. Let's talk about Tesla, for example. The people who love to short Tesla, they'll go out there and they'll put all this bad press about Tesla, really, really, really hoping that it's going to fail. To dr drive the stock down. Yeah, to exactly. Drive the stock down. Right. They f and, and they're incentivized to do this. By the way, a lot of times, not because Tesla is actually a bad company, they're incentivized to do this by by other companies that are suffering because of the threat of Tesla's success. 
the uh, the oil industry, the uh, the other the rest of the automotive industry that doesn't want to change, uh, a, bu uh, a bunch of reasons that are th being threatened by uh, electrification of cars, right? right? So those guys are out there shorting. If you actually look those up, most of those hedge funds are being funded by the oil industry, the ones that are shorting Tesla, right? One hundred. Right. So so they're doing they're, these guys are, are, are they they want to bring Tesla down. And that was one of the things that Musk did. Now, listen, I'm not necessarily a big Musk defender, but I, I do feel that, you know, he as insane and crazy as he is, he definitely was like, I am not going to be threatened by those assholes hmm. and I'm going to keep this going. He started the electric car company because he thought, like, I am going to change I, I fear about our, our humanity. Right. He does like his motivations for everything he's doing, no matter how crazy they are, is going about to Mars, really, yeah, right. going to Mars, electrifying things. This is about like trying to save the freaking planet, save right. us from ourselves. What's that? He's doing, his conscience is clean because he's doing what he feels is the right, right. thing for the. He, in a, in, a, in a sense, they are. Now, he is, listen, he is completely out of control in a lot of ways. And a lot of people hate him, both on the left and the right. Like he is not liked by a lot of people because of his eccentricities and everything else he's doing. But the fact is all the people who were heavily, heavily, heavily shorting him, you know, back in uh, uh, early 2019 or mid 2019, the stock price of Tesla was 150. Right. It's now, well, it got cut because they changed the, 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 the it's they, they split the stock, but it, it basically it's now would be well over a thousand in over a year, right? The people who shorted Tesla are losing a shit ton of money. Again, remember that that analogy. They have to pay it back. They got to get the iPhone back. They got to get the <laughs> iPhone back. So they are losing a ton of money. Yeah. So they're really, really, really angry, and they they want to basically say, nope, he's a crazy man. He smokes pot. He does this. He does that. They need as much information as possible one tesla catches on fire it goes all over the news okay. how many gas cars catch on fire every day you're literally <laughs> I, putting i've been in that car <laughs> you've been in fuel that is very flammable in your car right. a, a, a gas car can catch on fire too trust right. me <laughs> It's got gas in it. It's so, different. so, so there's just, it's the whole idea of, you know, what an electric car does. What he's done is like, and not only, it, and he's done some really smart things for electric cars. I'm sorry to get on this little Tesla rant, but he first, the first thing he did, you know, the problem people had with electric cars is they looked ugly and they looked like golf carts and they didn't have any power and they had very little range, et cetera, et cetera. He changed all that. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make it an expensive car that you desire. Because that's the way the American economy works. We desire things that are better and yes. more expensive. So he made the Tesla something people actually wanted, not because it was electric, because it was a cool car. Right. And that's how he got this whole thing going. And then he built the entire infrastructure around it. He got all the charging stations. You just became, and it, listen, it's, it's very much like Apple, right? Like you're part of the Apple ecosystem and you're part of the Tesla ecosystem if you're invested right. into it. Right. So it's, it's very much in that era. And I don't know. I, I, I think that there's something Apple about car, people. people about so people shorting things is definitely not necessarily a good thing, right? right. But there, but it, if it wasn't for those characters who shorted the stock in 2008, that situation would not might have gotten much worse. I think. Yeah, Honestly. no, it's been like uh, this is the thing. It's like everything in like everything that happened in two thousand and the thing is like with with two thousand eight, like I don't think I, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I feel that 
for our industry that we are in, like uh, in visual effects, like the it was shortly it was essentially starting at that point and shortly thereafter that visual effects sort of collapses in Los Angeles, and I'm, That's right. I and I feel like that was some decision making that was very heavily influenced by uh, the way things had been going previous to that. Now, like in the the money that people had lost in in huge amounts, and mm -hmm. so like there's a there's a there's a domino effect that happens. Not only is there a lot of money that was lost all, all at once, and people's savings were wiped out, and all this other jazz, like the re repercussive effects of that, and the business decisions that get made out of that scenario, also continue to hurt people. Like and uh, you know, because like, there's like there's years after you know, say 2012, 2013, where it was very hard to get any work in visual effects at all. It was brutal. It was incredibly brutal, you know, and it's only barely recovered. It's not, it's definitely not recovering to its former self and it's barely recovering at all. Right. Well, now. certainly not in the United States. Right. Exactly. And yeah. so like, the number, there's or, a number or, of, or certainly not in, in, in Los Angeles. Right. So, right. Yeah. And so like the, like there's a number, like this doesn't just sort of like happen all at once and then everything's fine. Like this is a, something that devastated us and continues to have major impact throughout all sorts of industries on and on and on. It's just that right. it takes so long that it ultimately just gets normalized. Like things are fucked up in that way. I don't know what happened. Well, it's we're still dealing with 2008. It's still rippling through us, mm -hmm. right? And in the meantime, we've had the opportunity many times now to try to put legislation through that would try to hem this stuff in or set off alarms earlier when we see that it's happening or keep people uh, who should be going to jail going to jail, you know? instead of the single person that went to jail for what happened in 2000. Yeah, one person. Right. And so like, and so all this stuff, like we have these opportunities to try to, uh, to regulate this, to try to build structures that keep this from happening. And they are defeated over and over again in Congress. And then we just sort of forget about it. And then it builds up to happen again. And then, right. We go, oh, it's like Fred Willard in the in uh, in whatever waiting for Guffman. It's like, what happened? <laughs> you know, like we're totally confused that this is repeating itself. Right. You know, like this is this is the yes, it's the fucking uh devious rich banks that are scumbags, it's their fault. And yes, it's the the people that are buying uh things they clearly can't afford's fault, and it's also the people who do nothing about it, even though they've seen the big short. Like this right. is a mechanism that we are all making mistakes in, and that's why it repeats. Like there's no good guys in this scenario. And so when I look at the the GameStop, you know, Reddit situation, I'm like, yeah, this is a good fun, this is a really fun narrative about like sticking it to you know some billionaires. That's great. But, but trust it, me, the billionaires came out on top on this. <laughs> they were they made money off it too. And like and so like it's 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 and it's emotionally satisfying in a very immediate sense, right? But that just goes away. And now there's another sort of weird player on the scene that's going to be very self-interested uh, in the same way. The funny thing is a lot of people think that this was planned to stick it to the man, but it wasn't. It no. was planned as a joke. Right. It was a meme. Right. Yep. And right. the fact is GameStop as a company, that model doesn't work anymore. That's no, the it's, reason it's being shorted. It's the company's going to go out of business. That's what's right. So the point of it is the stock keeps going down because that company is a company it's not, it's not that a is company. stuck in the past of buying software in a the blockbuster video of video games. And that's somehow right. it's like that's why people are shorting it. Yes. 
They're pointing out then the same thing with AMC. Yes, movie theater, back to Martini Giant. <laughs> movie theater systems are corrupt. Yes. Oh, and and don't, this, start, don't start pretending that they're not. We have arrived at where we are. I was hoping this was going to go. It was just like, there is something about this movie that the way I was watching it today is like, this movie could easily be made about the studio system yes right <laughs> it's like, corrupt this is what is happening <laughs> think about all the backwards deals it gets made before yep. it actually goes into theaters yeah yeah this, this person gets points on this and the producer fees and the caption and this and then like how many middlemen are getting are, are lining their pockets between the the you know eric has a beautiful idea for a film let's just pretend yeah and <laughs> right? let's pretend, that's let's pretend eric has a beautiful idea for a film and he wants to make it because it's his heart and soul is put into this thing right by the time it gets into theaters a lot of people are lining their pockets with bullshit and they're trying to walk around and be famous in hollywood right. and do all this and that and eric maybe makes 10 bucks on yeah, the whole exactly. deal yeah, like the percentage right. of your movie dollar that goes to Eric is about you know, like 0. 0.03. Right. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's like a sponge. Uh, yep. Hypothetically, if I was doing a project or like a television show concept, it's amazing. If you were to do that, yes, obviously. This is hypothetical. Even in the last four months, I've just sponged on. And I would always say, I always say to somebody I work with, does that come out of your share or my share or both our shares? Right. Because there's a certain point where, but you, it just comes with the terrain. It's like, yeah, oh, the dilution yeah. is ridiculous. It's yep. so fast. It's like, yep. wait a minute. Who, why? What? Wait. So, Cause like, I, it, like the, the number of people it takes to make a feature film, like the, uh, it used to be, used to be like, you need at least a hundred people to do that. Right. Uh, soup to nuts to make a feature film, everybody involved from catering on up you need about a hundred people now to make a feature film. You need yourself and your phone and everything else after that is sort of extra, you know? Right. Uh, uh, so the, and everybody else that is in the studio system, like uh, the number of middlemen that are in between you making your movie and it hitting theater screens is gigantic, gigantic. Like yep. it's, it's an unfathomable number of people that are going to get paid for having nothing to do with the making of your film whatsoever, but they're just right. in line to get paid right before it hits the screen. Now we have a system. We have this beautiful internet system where you can make a thing and put it up for free on YouTube and right. you can get paid because your shit gets popular. You can get paid by the people who like by uh, whatever corporations that want to uh, like uh, monetize yeah. you. Right. So you can get that money. Mark Rubble. Yeah, exactly. You can get yeah. that money now directly with nobody in between you and the money. And there's nothing in between you right. and your audience. So why do and you don't have to keep telling the same story over and over again to do it? Yeah. Why yes. does everybody else exist? Why does that exist at all? Why is that entire industry there? Like you can create, you can put it out online for free. People see it. Millions of people can see it. You can then get paid by people who want uh, uh, their shit to be advertised and associated with you because you've made something so popular. You get that money directly. Audience gets art directly. You get to make what you want. Why is everybody else there? Right. 
You know, what's also interesting is uh, when we say we want to make like, let's say, let's say I want to make a, let's say I want to make a, a, a series, right? I've been hearing this analogy a lot. Let's say I want to make a series, uh, you know, and I want to sell my a story on Netflix and I'm a season one, right? And I mm -hmm. put it out there. And I say, but we can do it really cheaply. And I know we, the, by the time we get good at season one, by the time we do season two, we want to do it. We can do it even more efficiently because we've already, you know, learned a bunch or created a bunch of technology in season one, right? They're like, no, don't do that. Yeah, they right. want you to spend more money. Yes, yes, because spending more money means more people can line their pockets. Yes, because that's how they justify the fucking job. This is like this. This is like people that like you know, like you know like uh, when you go out and pitch stuff, right? Like studios essentially give people that buy pitches a set amount of money to buy pitches with, and if you don't spend all that money as that person, you then the amount of money that you get next year to buy stuff with is less. Right. So it is to their advantage to just collect shit that they're never ever going to move on. Yes. So that's yeah. like like that is the is danger number one, right? right? Even if you get through that barrier. Like you're already ta talking about, you're already talking about like at least five people online taking percentages to introduce you to other people who take percentages from you. Right. But it's That's also it. the, but it's also the thing like, you know, people say, well, it's a lot of people think James Cameron is a hero for making movies that cost $400 million because he's giving everyone jobs. Right. It's an ecosystem of, of work. I, I totally get that. I totally right. Get that. But that's right. also bullshit. Right. I'm sorry, yeah. but it is because, for example, you know, I went to visit my friend. This is a long time ago. She was working, and I, I guess I'll just say it because our podcast is not that popular. But she was working on set for uh, she was working on set for um, um, uh, the remake, the Coen Brothers remake of the Lady Killers. Oh, right, right. It's a terrible movie. It's their only bad movie. But it is a bad movie. It was a bad movie, right? <laughs> but there was a lot of A-list. I had Tom Hanks and on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so she was so on set for that, and I and I got to visit it, and it was kind of cool to be on set and seeing what's sure. going on. She goes, "Oh, we're having, you know, you're you're here in time for lunch. If you want to, you know, we'll have our our regular catered lunch that they have, right, for catering for lunch." And I said, "Okay." And I've been on set and had lunches on set, and it's pretty cool. And the, uh, walking by, and she says, "Well, hey, what do we have?" You know, she asked a chef. And it's like, "What's what's for dinner?" And he goes, "Oh, we're gonna chicken. We're chicken and easy today. We're gonna do like a barbecue." It's like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, what's on the barbecue? Giant Food. prawns, Chateaubriand, <laughs> filet yeah. mignon. You know, that's right. That's right. Fucking expensive of lunch. Of course, of course, right? We have a catering budget of ridiculous amounts. Let's yeah. just spend the shit out of it. And that's the thing. That's not you don't even pin that on the Cohen brothers. That's the studio. Like, that's the studio. Job. Of course, yeah, it is. It's not the, the Cohen studio. brothers. Yeah, the, the Cohen brothers are like, fine. I'll take some fucking Chateaubriand. That sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> the studio is like, well, like, well, obviously there's Tom Hanks, and we have to support this, and obviously there's this, and we have to do that, and obviously then suddenly you have like a thousand people on the set. No wonder this all, movie costs a hundred million dollars to make. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, Chateaubriand you know? for lunch. Right. And saying like, no, I totally, I mean, this is what happened with essentially with uh, Peter Jackson and all of New Zealand, right? They all of New Zealand's like, please make another Lord of the Rings movie because it's our only income. And, uh, and he, he's like involved with the government of New Zealand to make, make those things. That's why the Hobbit had basically happened was to create the employment engineering that they needed. Right. And, uh, and like, and that's, that's fine. I mean, you can like or dislike every, every, what was it? Every, every, uh, citizen of, uh, New Zealand, Paid at least twenty dollars 
to make uh, the Lord of the Rings. To make Lord of the Rings, exactly. And well, then, it was, like they, for every for every movie itself, but. right? And then and they and they get paid back in tourism, and that's the big industry, right? And so, like, I I do understand the argument of like you know when you have a movie that is that big, right? Uh, it creates jobs for a lot of people. That's totally true, okay? But that is not what we're talking about because what I'm identifying is that. You do not like if like for any random filmmaker, they're not talking about being James Cameron. Like if they if they are James Cameron and they do employ twenty thousand people, that's great. There's people are employed and it's wonderful. But what I am talking about is like the people that want to make movies who are just independent filmmakers. Like they up until very recently were up against a system that was designed to grind them into nothing. Right. And to fuck them along the way and jack up prices at theaters. Like that's what that system does. It has nothing to do with James Cameron and paying a thousand people. It has to do with the fact that, you know, studio like the theater, uh, in order to uh, uh, justify the uh, in order to pay the rental costs on a film, a theater has to charge 1995 for popcorn. Like that's not a viable economy. Like it isn't. (laughs) And that's what we're talking about. Like this is a totally false economy and it goes towards paying an industry, which is packed with people who aren't necessary. Right. So would you say that is basically a corrupt industry, right? Not to point fingers, but it's corrupt. It is corrupt. (laughs) But isn't that what a lot of what the American system is? That's why I felt it was very prophetic when they were in Vegas because it was like, oh, God. Right. It's, it's, it's just everything is just fluff. Everything it's a big bag of nothing. Right. right? That's what you're selling. It's a big bag of yeah. nothing. Like everything is big for no reason. They're like <laughs> like which is like this is the effect of the like you brought up the American dream. Right. Is like the American dream means that there's some other distant place where there's more and better, and we're always trying to get to that place as opposed to being happy with what we have right now. You know, as, as opposed to not having a, a 12 pound hamburger, which you actually can't use. <laughs> but they're so tender and juicy. Come it on. It's lovely, I have to tell you. But I mean, like, that's, that, is, that, is the mind, that is the mindset that, that all of this preys on. The and last it's, time. It's the myth we pay, that we pay for. The last time I actually got on an airplane, went anywhere, was actually uh, just a little over a year ago when I went to, to Vegas. Oh. I went to Vegas at, for a conference and I was walking around. And I'm like, oh. And you know, I, I sometimes I'm entertained by Vegas as a as a ki- sure. kitschy fun thing. It's designed, but to somehow it was just worse. And I think it was you know at the height of Trumpism, and I'm looking at it as like this this corruption, this fa- facade of fakery, right. is what made Trump the person he is, yeah, right. and he has totally sold people on this. Yeah, and I'm looking, at, and there was you know I'm looking at Trump Tower in Vegas, and I'm like, and it's horrid gilding just 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 kitschiest thing possible the name is five stories six stories tall on this building and i'm like this is unbelievable and this is a maniacal monstrosity and this is what people bought into this is what people say he's my hero and i the fact that those people think that, that someone like that and that system of economy is what's beautiful of america that's very very disturbing absolutely and the thing is i mean like and everybody like uh, what i uh, i guess what i want to point out is that everybody is susceptible to that kind of um uh, that kind of swindling in some way 
Like, it's not just dumb people who like shiny stuff, right? The reason why people like uh, the fakeness of Vegas is because it gives them the simulation of being rich, right? It gives you it gives you the feeling of like, well, I know it's I know it's fucking tinfoil, but at least I can pretend like my my life doesn't suck a little bit by being in this completely fictionalized version of being rich. But it's right. also the incentive, like you know, get to the next level, get to the Absolutely. next. Absolutely, and so like, because table, because You're where at you the are at table is now, not... but you want to get to the next table, right? Right, because like in this and like and and like uh, you know, companies like Gucci, for instance, like they uh, they have two levels of marketing that go on. Like there's the Gucci that's like you know whatever the fifteen thousand dollar you know tiny bag, uh, right? And that's for a very very rarefied market. Like Gucci doesn't make any money on the fifteen thousand dollar diamond bag. Because it sells to so few people comparatively. There's a lost leader. What is it? Like right. the, the thing that they're actually selling is to people that can't afford that bag. They buy the shitty version of the bag, also by Gucci. Like they want right. they want the simulation as if I could afford the expensive bag. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's what Las Vegas is. I remember. I remember. I remember. There was there was a, this girl I knew and. Uh, and uh, you know, we were starting off as an arc in an architecture firm. We we're right out of architecture school. You don't make that much money out of our, you know, out of architecture school going there, right? And uh, she needed a new car. Or she wanted a new car, not needed. You don't never, never really need a new car. Unless it's, <laughs> she wanted a new car, and she wanted it to be a BMW, right? right? Because that to her was what you had to have, right? You know, now Volkswagen is not the BMW. So she wanted a BMW. So the only BMW she could afford was a BMW that was, uh, that she thought she could afford was a BMW that was seven years old. Right. right? So it was used BMW, right? She tried to get a five year loan on a seven year old BMW. Oh man. Because she thought that, you know, you get a five-year loan on cars, right? And they're like, right. no one's going to give a five-year loan on a seven-year-old car. That car is 12 <laughs> years old. That By the time the loan is due, it's right. worth nothing. Right. And she says, but that's the only car I can afford. And it's like, no. That's the only BMW. You can afford a Honda Civic, a brand <laughs> new Honda Civic. Right. Incidentally, I'm going to tell you right now. I have uh, uh, through through sheer luck, not money. I uh, I, re- I ended up owning a um, a Mercedes for a short period of time, uh-huh. and uh, I and, do remember this, right? <laughs> and I and I basically I I got it for let's say an extraordinarily low price, like a, fi- a fictionally low low price. It would sound like, and uh, but I got it, and I was like, okay, great. And now uh, I got the Mercedes, and I was like, oh, this is pretty awesome. Driving first of all. When you're driving a Mercedes, people definitely look at you like you're an asshole. That's number one. Yep. Second of all, uh, repairing a Mercedes costs as much uh, as a fucking Mercedes. So that's yep. a bad deal. Right. Yep. And now previously I had owned a 1989 Honda Civic and I owned it for years and years and years and years. Not only did I not have to bring that thing to the shop too often until finally it died. Um, but you want a car that drives better? The fucking Honda Civic. Like the Mercedes Honda drove like shit. I had an Isuzu Rodeo from 2002, and then I just sold it in August. Yeah. yeah so right. I had a 2002 Honda. I mean, a, a, a Isuzu Rodeo. It was it, okay. I lost my brakes once about four years ago on Wilshire. Right. That's not good because you have to ride basically with the emergency brake. wasn't fun. 
Uh, other than that, it was pretty reliable car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Zuzu Magic. That's it, dude. This is the thing. It's like all oh, the Subaru. Stuff is Subaru, aggressive. man. Those things will go through nuclear winter. <laughs> exactly. Like, they, right. yeah. They're, like, these are the cockroach cars, but there's a good reason to own these things. They're, they're the cockroach cars. Right. You know, like, that's the, like, that is the, that but is that's the, not the perception of what you want right now, right? Exactly, dude. Exactly. And so like the things that are the, the things that are sold to us as to what we want mm-hmm. create this don't just create a false demand. They create a false demand to have this sort of mid-level bullshit satisfaction, right? And the mid-level bullshit satisfaction is actually the thing that is being sold. And Okay, so then goes back to Steve Carell where he said, What did I buy into to get into this industry, right? Mm-hmm. That killed my brother, right? right. Right. What am I fighting for? That's what right. I got exactly. a sense of exactly. Carell. He, he lost this, but he was right. sold something. He bought it. He right. lived it. It became part of him. And then it's like, man, right. I'm not this. What am right. I? Right. Right. And so he, like, he lived, like, he lives in moral confusion in that movie. Like, is he, he pretends like he's trying, he says, like, he's trying to stick it to the man. And that's what he's so angry about. He's not so angry about that. He's angry about his brother dying. Like, that's what's actually motivating him. Yeah. Right. And the, uh, and, and, and like, this is the, like the ultimate argument of the movie is to say like, like why, like, why are you making the mistake that you are making? Like, what are you, what are you gaining by making what is clearly a mistake? You know, like, what are you trying, what hole are you trying to fill by doing this? And, uh, and that is like, that is the, that is the American dream problem is like, by having the American dream, you're saying what you have right now isn't good enough. You must have this. And that creates need and a drag for, towards that need. But actually arriving there and actually having those things means that you are vulnerable. And now yeah. you're going to, now you are suffering, you know? And, uh, and if people were responsible literally on every end of this problem, it would not be a problem anymore. But that we can't uh, seem to let go of needing to not be ourselves. We need more than what we are. Do you if we don't that, have though, that, we, COVID, what are we? It's changed. I, I wonder about that. I do wonder about that. Because I, wonder what, I just wonder feel what the like people, you, know, you see a lot of stories about people just living out of Winnebago's and driving around or yeah, buying a fun. ghost town. And right. But it's just getting away from dude rebirth dude. so right. so so one of my my my, my fly fishing groups uh, one of the guys he said he went down to to venice right to go fishing he says it's it's unfucking believable in venice right now apparently the water is totally clear no the, <laughs> the, homeless, boardwalk, the, homeless. the boardwalk the boardwalk is completely covered by homeless people because no one's oh, actually yeah, sure. going to venice right. so he right. said the the pretty much the entire boardwalk just says there's probably Closed. a thousand tents yeah! Wow, that's Echo crazy. Echo Park it's is like, like that like too. I just saw, you should yeah. see a German in Venice. It's a great podcast or a video YouTube thing, and yeah. the guy is so funny. A German in Venice, and he goes around his bike and just shows it. He just did yeah. Echo Park yesterday. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and it's horrifying. And the thing is, I mean, this this is a great the homelessness issue is huge. It's a great. I bring this example up all the time. It's like people feel when 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 it gets made to be political, right? People feel no freeloaders. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's what there's one of two ways that people generally look at the homelessness. I pay for my Chateaubriand. They yes. don't pay for it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like no one like people. You know, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stereotype hugely on both the right and the left right now. So please forgive me. Well, I love it. Uh, yeah, I'll start with my, my peeps, the left, okay, um, where uh, we want to look at the homeless uh, problems. It's just like, oh, 
you know, they're just angels. We need to care for them because they're really just, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you've been in Skid Row in Los Angeles, which I've done, gone down there for photography a zillion times, mm -hmm. like it's very dangerous. And most mm -hmm. of these folks that you're interacting That's my with my old neighborhood, are, dude, like they're like, it's not a, it's a dangerous place to be. You're going to mostly meet uh, people that you like, you can't trust to be, to be safe around mm -hmm. right and it's not an angel devil thing it's like if i were in that position and had lived there for years i would be exactly the fucking same like yeah, right. like if i if, if i had fallen to this point i can't pretend like i would be a, an angelic creature i wouldn't be i would be a disaster you know and like there are points in my life in which i would i i have come close to that you know, and so it isn't, there's no, to put judgment on these people one way or the other. So if I switch to the, you know, the, the, the right side, like they should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Like these dudes don't have boots. <laughs> like there's no bootstraps to be pulled up. Like there's no way, what are they going to go get job? Oh, like you're right. I should, I should go be a commodities trader. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, right. like that's not what happens. Like, and pretending like it's going to happen doesn't make it happen. Like, Nobody's coming at it with actual empathy and saying, like, regardless of why people are here or whether they made choices that are bad that have led them here or whether or not we like other people should or should not have to pay for it. Like, you should just say this should not exist. No one should be in this state as a human being, regardless of whether they are good or bad people. This state should not exist. Right. Like, we, we should not as a country allow for the mechanisms that let this happen to continue because this is cruel and it's ridiculous. And like, it doesn't help somebody to say like, um, uh, you know, like, Oh, well, what did that guy ever do? You know, for me, you know, he has to get a job. Like, well, that doesn't keep that dude from, you know, pu putting up a tent on your lawn or from being dangerous. You right. can say it all you want. Like you need the problem to actually stop. And that takes real investment and care and uh, putting work into the uh, mechanisms that can slow it down and hopefully stop it. Right. But nobody wants to do that part because that's super fucking expensive. And that's yeah. Well, it's really interesting good. you brought that up. I watched this one guy in LA um, and he, he talks about a lot of those issues, not the German Venice guy. And he, there is um, a lot of the, uh, some of the things that they're pushing forward to help alleviate the problems, like these units where people can sleep. Right. It's like the companies that are doing it are friends with Garcetti, and of course, like, you know yeah, the yeah. units. The units are sixteen hundred dollars a unit, but they're actually they're charging ten thousand per unit to the city. Right. Right. So everyone again, yeah, it's like opportunities to come along and do that exactly. Uh, so like like everything every which way like you know like unless you're actually going to take responsibility for it as a country or as a state as California, which like. California is not like the state is not something something else apart from us. It is us. Like this is the this is our responsibility, right? And if we do not take responsibility for it, it's not going to stop. No matter how much you may complain about it, or no matter how much you want to put a band in on it. Like, uh, but that's the like that situation is exactly like the Big Short situation. Like, yeah, we can make bad guys out of literally anybody in this chain. That's fine. None of that helps. Like you can consider yourself a fucking hero and you can say the rich are the bad people, or you can say the oh, he's just pulled himself by his own bootstraps. And then what did they, the, these guys get fucked? Up, it's their own fault. Doesn't help the fact that we all got fucked by it. Right. Like we all ended up paying super hard for that. People that had nothing to do with it had like paid really hard. 
know, and well, like, the that, other, I want to bring up, I, I want to bring up the thing is like, you remember how we said jobs are really hard to come by in visual effects after 2008. That's not true. Jobs were like a dime a dozen, mm -hmm. like in Canada. Absolutely true. If, yes. we were, if, yeah, if, true. if we had moved to Canada, we could you have, have been, job instantly, right? you have a job instantly. Not only that, you could double your salary every six months by job, jumping from one job to the next, right? right? It was a gold rush of visual effects at that time. Yep. And talent was not on the table. Right. Didn't matter. Didn't matter, right? Just like AAA bonds, and right. <laughs> right? Exactly. He was just like, sell the package to the next movie, sell the package, keep making more Marvel films. Right. We are going to be just fine. Like it's it's there's a lot of similarities between. Yeah, just chase chase down the hole. Don't worry about it. It's gonna yep. be fine. And the yeah. thing is, man, like because with visual effects, just to talk about that for a second. Not like, to say that people were not talented in Vancouver. There's definitely talent in Vancouver. No, I'm not saying that, but it was not up. the incentive of right. what was making like, people work that, there. Like, Every, I knew I knew I didn't work in Canada, but I knew plenty of talented people that were working with in Vancouver and still the studios they were at were producing shit work. And, you know, that's not because any right. individual was bad. It's because you totally destroyed the teamwork that had been developed at a certain place over the course of, say, two decades and right. had methodology sure. involved yeah. uh, that was shattered. Everyone suddenly has to fly to the ends of the, the earth. Next thing also is like you were, you were, you were the, if you had a studio, you were trying desperately to retain staff so you would give them higher salaries or promote them to positions that they weren't that qualified they were to do for. exactly and so like all this comes around to the idea that like uh that uh the like if you're talking about independent film and making independent film or making movies for say netflix or making movies for youtube right all of this comes down to uh if you actually think and work within your means mm -hmm. right none of this happens like none of this happens if you don't what do you mean in your means. I know like, what in your means means like but within 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 your means. Like if you're not trying to, I'll be uh, right back. I'm just gonna get yeah. myself a drink. Right, absolutely. If you're not, uh, you know, some uh, Donald Trumpian level, you know, uh, manipulative stock trading scumbag, like why is it? Why do you need any of this? Why are you doing any of this? Like what? Like it's create it's creating damn. Like if you're creating uh, CDOs for banks so you can be a bazillionaire, even though you know it's at the cost of the poor, why are you doing that? What are you getting out of it? Like there must be something else that you can. Apply. Yeah, but they answer, they talk about that in the movie where he's a temple and he's like, why is he questioning everything? Why? What's the point of that? Right. <laughs> right. But that's right. inherent. I I you know my older brother I love him dearly. He's in the business and. That's just the way he, you know, it's the way he works, you know, and, and it's just, right. you know, because, I grew up around that. Well, the, the, because, just like, because, yeah, because you, like, you, you grew up in an area of the country that was like, like there's some extremely rich homes, extremely rich old families, all this stuff. Like the, uh, like the American dream issue of like this projected image of how you're like, regardless of the money involved, the idea that you should not be happy with what you have is poisonous. Yeah, like that is a that is a poisonous way to think, and it has become the backbone of how we do business, right? Yeah, how we build our lives. That's a major problem. Like that doesn't mean like you can talk about the American dream in terms of like treating other people well and standing up for what is good in the world. That's that's realistic. But if you're if you mean by the American dream is like as you know Eddie Izzard said, like if your dream is to stick tons of money in your ears and dance around like a clown. That's a giant waste of time. 
because that that money is coming from somewhere that can't afford it and you don't need it yeah you know and then so like you know i'm you know i'm trying to like i'm trying to pass the blame around to everybody including myself on this but the reason why for instance i am a super left-wing socialist oriented person isn't because of i think it's a morally good idea and that it makes me a better person to think like this i just look around me and i say well the shit that we got going doesn't work at all like this is a disaster and people are paying for it horribly so let's try some other stuff <clears throat> now i may be yeah. wrong about that but i think that trying trying something to stabilize this is a good idea versus what we have which is us the entire economy completely eating shit people dying and being in radical debt every 10 or 15 years like that's dumb yeah. there's no reason to be doing that well i mean that's the that was the joke right during covid when it's like oh wait a minute people only buy what they need and suddenly the entire economy collapses <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. You know, only only go to the grocery store and only buy what you need. You know, food, etc. Now suddenly our entire economy collapsed yeah. because we're not buying enough yeah, Samsung TVs and iPhones. That means that it was all baloney. Like yes. that it, is. it was all baloney. You know? yes. like, but just even the idea of buying bonds based on people buying houses. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just, just, just if you really try to put that in, in perspective, I mean, I can understand investing in a company. It's opportunistic. Like this, it's opportunistic. this company it here, this company here is about, you know, is making, you know, I don't know, guitars and they make good guitars. So I'm going to invest in them because I believe a lot of people want to buy good guitars, but you're actually buying bonds of people paying their mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah. It's just like, weird yeah, nonsense yeah like that like, like at the end of the movie i'm just like this is like buying no weirder uh, than you know ronco making a uh a product that uh you know can crack walnuts two at a time it's just <laughs> opportunity <laughs> it's like buying it's like buying a chair for a musical chairs like wait a second the idea is you're gonna lose right and then eventually there's only gonna be one chair left what are you doing you know Do you remember the, the, the ronco stuff the, yeah, yeah exactly. of course right <clears throat> when i was a child I love this man dearly. Uh, what, he's no longer with us, but Ronco? that was his company. Yeah, that was his company. Yeah. And I used to go over for Christmas, and I always used to get, you know, it was big party, and they would the kids would get gifts, and I always would get one of those things where it's a, a gun, and you put a walnut in, and it cracks it. I'm, I would sit there in this beautiful home overlooking the sound, Long Island Sound, and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't eat walnuts, but, you know, it's the more useless crap in the world. Right. And, um, you know, we're just running out of useless things to do. So they come up with this idea because all the other things, um, it's been pretty much done. So, so yeah, people yeah. want to make their money and get out. So That's why, basically why, it. why do we, why do we feel that way? Like what, what is it where, what is it we're missing in our lives? Why are we promoted to feel this way? To like, promote it to, to make a, a lot of money. Yeah. Like why, why would that sat when we know that it is not satisfying, why do we do it? Like when we know, that I think, lots of I think some, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I think some people that's kind of the thing that I've been writing is kind of a little bit of that because mm -hmm. here you had a conflict of people who came in and did something totally different, you know, play right. music and they, right. Right. And they're odd looking and it's, uh, you know, perspective on the American dream. Why do some people do some people do it because they want to do better than their father. They want to sure. prove 
It's emotional. Whatever it is, it's emotional. Yeah. And I think, you know, this Carell character did it. uh, It reminded me of some people I know in my life um, who did it for reasons. And then, you know, people died. Um, You know, he lost his brother, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought everything would change after 9-11 because my brother was in the there and he escaped and a lot of his friends didn't and people he worked with and i thought that that moment was like the corral moment with his brother and it wasn't you know they just yep, keep yep. marching forward and that's an innate thing i just want to make the money i'm gonna get out you know yep. and here's a hustle everything is a hustle yep. and i don't know if the government constricted it there would just be a new hustle found. That's the thing. And I think these swaps you're talking about, they're talking about, that's it. You know, the, the Barney Frank or Dodd Frank and all these things, constrictions yeah. they put on, more Glass shit. Steagall. Just a, What's this? Glass-Steagall, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It just became, you just knew ways to go around it. Much like if you have a lot of money, why does Amazon pay no taxes or, you know, yeah, right, right. very little. There's always a way to get around. And that's just the mentality. And it's, you're never going to solve it. I'm not, it's just, I got to the great comment in from Jason. Hans Gruber didn't have to go in such extremes to get his hands on precious untraceable bearer bonds. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but he wanted to do it anyway. Good old Hans. <laughs> but Hans Gruber, you said. Yes, Hans Gruber. Exactly. But right. it's like, I, it doesn't, you know, that guy who, um, uh, you know, made the 47 million, what's his, Ryan uh, uh, Gosling. It's like right. he probably went off to make more money. Right. Well, then, like, I actually, I was talking about this with Ann before I even got on here. Like the, 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 uh, that Ryan Gosling to me is the closest that that movie has to a hero. Right. Which is why I think he's the narrator and he's a hero, not because he is doing anything. Well, he says, I'm not the hero. He's yeah. he, like, he is the hero in terms of the structure of the movie. Like sure. he's right. And, uh, and he's what, the most honest. He is the most honest. And ironically, he's he comes saying, off as the, here the, the least on it. But that's my yes. thing with the Carell character. He doesn't right. know what he's doing. So yes. there, in Agreed. a sense, cause he, Agreed. he feels my always take on him was that if he, he probably, maybe he dragged his brother into the business and his brother mm-hmm. couldn't take it. And he took his life, you know? And then right. all of a sudden it's like, um, he has to deal with that and he doesn't want to admit it. Right. So that's right. why he walks into therapy, you know, makes it all about him yeah. and then he leaves and he's, right. he's a smart ass about it, you know? Right. And it's just that um, it's, it's exactly that, you know, um, it's really, uh, it's, I don't, it's a strange thing. I don't condemn it because it's a human nature. I, I just, I think no matter what we do, they're always going to, screw something up well i think i think that there's a like there's times i, I guess what I, I, the thing that i argue for the most is like it's not always like i agree that it's human nature right and we always have to combat this in some way and during certain periods versus other periods of time and in different cultures around the world like in different periods of time we're better at dealing with it than in other periods of time and the way that america works right now and in that we're you know global leader of the economy like this though the way we think about this stuff isn't uh actually very functional and uh and it has gotten i think that this this sort of like and to get sort of uh i don't know existential for a second like i feel like 
this mindset of short-term satisfaction um, is everywhere. And it's also, it's just everywhere, not just in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, like uh, I'm trying to make money versus the, the, um, you know, but versus like the, the quarter, quarterly report, right. It's more emotional. Like I'm online and even though it's making things worse, it satisfies me to be mad. So I'm going to just be mad and then I'll pay for it later. You know, uh, instead of trying to be, well, maybe I shouldn't be that way. Maybe I shouldn't opportunistically scream at this dude to satisfy my own emotions. Maybe I should think about this a little harder. Like if we've gotten into this weird whirlpool of like, if it's, you know, if it's emotionally satisfying to do this right now, that validates it. And it, that isn't true because that's that opportunism that we're, that we're condemning in the big short. All of these people involved in that movie are making decisions that are emotionally satisfying to them in the moment. And that's why they're fucked. That's why everybody's fucked. But it's gotten so deeply ingrained into us that that is the, for instance, mech, that's like that model is well, how. But wait a minute. Sorry. Go ahead. But I always, I just sensed it was like, this is how we're built. Like they showed uh, Steve Carell, like as a young kid in, in like I said, in Temple. Yeah, with the Temple. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, this is, this is the way he's built. Okay. Right. That's the way Ryan Gosling's built. Right. And why should we change? So like, I, don't, I just, uh, I think that because I smart, know people who work in that business and that's sure. pretty much the way they're like built. I said, like, uh, and like it's a hustle. Let's be you honest. You always depend on like the thing is, I mean, I, talking about the extreme ends of the people, the poor people who suffer, or the rich people who, um, who create things uh, with which to reap more money. Like those, this, uh, those groups will always exist. Like the opportunity for those groups to exist will always exist. People like rich scumbags who manipulate things will always exist. Right. It, it is the breadth of the middle that is what I'm talking about. Like you don't have to have things become extreme because there are extremes. Everything doesn't have to be extreme because there are extremities. Like you can have a full robust middle class that, uh, that is most of the country. And but that's very that's the most disappearing thing right now, though. That's what this is what I'm saying. It's like the like that having this this very firm backbone where everyone's making a fair amount of money, but and and nobody is suffering or close to nobody is suffering should be the target. But we don't go for that. We go for these extremes, which makes the maximum amount of rich and the maximum amount of suffering poor. Like and the and the point and the the greater number of poor, the more you better be rich. Like because yeah. you're fucking walking over, you're walking on a tightrope over broken glass. At that yeah. point, like if you if if you're not one of the two percent or one percent, you're in the it's hole, true. right? And uh, and we get there because of uh, of these unfillable emotional needs, like Steve Carell has in this movie. Yeah. Right. And we buy into this idea of maybe if I just make this very selfish decision right now, I will be fulfilled by having this fucking BMW. Nope. It doesn't help yeah. you. Like, like over and over again, the thing that helps people is actually helping other people along with yourself and not hoarding everything. That is what makes things stable if everyone adopts that attitude. And there have been times when we have come closer to doing that than not. But right now, everything, even just the dialogue we have 
online about whatever, about fucking Star Wars, is you're either A or B. You're you're a Republican or uh, or a Democrat. Oh my you're, God, just look at what happened today. Yeah. What happened yeah. today? Well, the, like the they they acquitted Trump. Right. Right. The, 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 people, when he clearly, clearly, clearly incited a riot onto the Capitol, right. they acquitted him because they're Republicans and their base would vote against them. Right. And the the people, the seven Republicans that had enough guts to do something, right now they're all receiving death threats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this is like this, this arch nonsense is going to fucking eat us alive. And like, it's the, uh, like Dave 3D, empathy to many, empathy to many is the enemy of capitalism. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with that. Like, cause that, like that automatically means that uh, money is going to be dispersed and just as a matter of course. And the thing is like, I have nothing against rich people. I don't like shit, man. I would love to have, you know, like, you know, $300,000 in the bank. That'd be fantastic. Right. And like, I don't begrudge anyone having anything. I don't like people not having anything. Because that, like, and morality aside, that makes my life dangerous for my family. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the reason. Like, I don't. We can talk about what's good, it's what's bad, or whether people deserve it or don't deserve it. That's fine, but it's all bullshit when it comes down to if your family is in danger, you have a very strong idea of what's worthwhile, right? Yeah. And why, why are why we are going about creating an incredibly dangerous society? I don't understand. And that's like this is all the stuff that came up, like, and it that it, that it works for the big short, that it works for the uh, for you know Trump versus non-Trumpers, that it works for indie filmmakers versus the studio means that this is a very generalized actual social problem that we face, and we're in the middle of it right now. And I think to answer your question, Eric, like COVID has a lot to do with this because we actually can yeah. sit and go like, wait a minute, what the fuck is going on? What are we doing? But do you think a lot's going to change post? I don't know. I want. I think I want that so to. many people have been alone that right. I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of that self reflection. A lot of people are going to change the way. I'm hoping it's, it changed I, I, me. I definitely hope so. Well, because you know, because and, and I'm going to get cheesy, but people have been producing an enormous amount of art themselves without being paid for it and turning it out into society all over the place. Like yeah. that can't be anything but healthy and good. So I do believe that there is like, there's a therapeutic element to what we've been forced into, you know? And yeah. I think that that in itself, uh, that expression um, helps change things, you know? And I think, I think that now that we're past Trump being president, we have an opportunity to calm the fuck down and, uh, and not yeah. act as archly as we have. Well, clearly, do you go not. online more? Are you still on Twitter a lot? I tweet for Martini Giant, yeah. But do you go and do discussions and so forth? Not with two not, Martini Giants. Not right? really. I talk about I talk about movies on Martini Giant. I talk about movies on Facebook, and I talk about books on Facebook. And sometimes I post something vaguely political, maybe. But yeah. I restrict I restrict all that stuff now. I only talk about fishing. Fishing. Bingo, dude. Now, that's a great example. So you like what you essentially have gotten into this almost because of COVID, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've no, I've always loved fishing, but uh, I, I've completely gone into it for because of COVID, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's something that I've wanted to do for ever, and I kept putting it off. Like, I wanted to fly fish for a long time. And I kept putting it off saying, oh, I'll do it sometime when I retire, right? You know, whatever it is. And I was like, why the fuck am I waiting? Let's just, just 
Start it, it now. now. Start yeah, it that's now. what I always say to you. And you'd say, no, I'm going to wait. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put it on and, Yeah. And I'm like, Chris, come on. <laughs> yeah, but it is exactly an example of like, you know, like, yeah, do it. Do it now. Why, why, why are you sitting and waiting? So well, there, um, there is only, there is only now uh, to be you know to really be philosophical about it. Like there's only now. So if you're going to do it, you're going to do but it. But there's now. also this thing, you know, this obligation that you feel you need to succeed, right? And the, you know, like the stereotype of that people have right now uh, of of um, um, you know the the uh, yeah, East Indian families or, or or Chinese families, whatever. Like you have to become a doctor, you have to become a lawyer, whatever. Like that that and you hear it all the time, right? Mm -hmm of that pressure to do that for sure. American. It's the pressure of being, being rich. Right. right. And, and, and buying things and, 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 and spending and, and the house, <laughs> the house and the yeah. car uh, is more yes. important than the job right. <laughs> you have. Yeah. Right. right. Which is where like you spend most of your life at your job or sleeping, but Hey, you know, it's about whether you have the really nice car. <laughs> yeah, that's like if you're going to spend eight hours a day at a job, like I suggest that you do something that you enjoy if you possibly have access to that. And uh, if you do not enjoy your job, then I hope that you are enjoying everything else in your life. But most people aren't doing any of that. I have right. I've spent most of my life not doing that. Really? Yeah, not enjoying your job. Not enjoying my life in some key way or another. I, up until very, very recently, I, you know, and this is no no one's fault but my own. Um, I've made bad decisions, and those bad decisions made other people around me suffer, and me suffer, and you know, and I found myself, you know, complaining about stuff that was under my control until I realized, oh shit, this is actually under my control. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's a very tough. I think that like there's you know there are millions and millions and millions of people in the United States who don't have the opportunities that I have and like just getting through the fucking day is, uh, is an absolute challenge. So for me to be sitting around and bitching about how hard my life is, is baloney. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's complete nonsense. And, uh, and for me to, to recognize that and to try to just take advantage of the things that are good in my life, you know, it's a blessing to have those things. Uh, and, uh, and I don't need more shit to prove that I won, you know, I'm already insanely lucky. And, uh, and, uh, and, and thinking that I need other shit to define myself or whatever, BMW or whatever it is, like, it's totally alien to me. And, uh, and, and then, so I try to have, I have tried to have empathy for people that feel like that, but I, I still wonder, like, what is it in you that makes you feel like that? And what is it, what are the things in my life that I still do that in, you know? That, that these needs to define myself that I don't actually need to fulfill to be happy. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, I know what you're saying. And and uh, you kind of, uh, I think you want to, you possibly, if I can, you know, I think one of the things that I went through in the past year is that, you know, I was in LA for 24 years and, you know, my I didn't, visual effects was killing me. And so, I think my daughter wanted to be around family more. We just sold our house and moved. Yeah. It was right. rather fast. And now I'm like, whoa. But at the same time, it changes you so much and it gives you perspective that it's, you know, you go back to LA, you go back to LA someday. But it's definitely when you strip everything out and you, realize you start crashing, yeah. you realize what's valuable. 
Right. Exactly. And those things for literally everybody on earth are going to be the same things. Like my family, you know, <laughs> like it's weird um, because a year ago I was stressed about everything. Yep. And now it's like, huh? all right, well, we'll figure it out. Well, yeah. I remember, I remember when I was, uh, uh, I was uh, fly fishing in Montana and I got, and I had a, my fishing guide who was a guy who was very, very nice, very interesting guy. And of course you spend the whole day with a person, you end up chatting for a while. And his story was that, you know, he, he went, he went to college in, uh, uh, in North Carolina. I think he went to Duke or something. I'm not sure, but he was very good school. And he had, he got a, he got a job to work at Wells Fargo. And uh, he said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna before I start on that job, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the summer off and just hang out and uh, do some fly fishing in Montana, work at a ba you know at a fly shop, and then he just never went back to work. Yeah, <laughs> just to there, and yeah, it was like, I and you know, and he's like, I wait, why I can I can live this way, I can do this every day, right? Why do I want to go to a bank and sell loans? Yeah." <laughs> Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and then so, I, he, yeah, and he has a pretty good life. He makes a good living. Yeah. He only works like six months out of the year. Yeah, that's yeah, that's done. That's fantastic. And the thing is, that, like uh, that, like that is the like what you want is to have a uh, a system in the country that allows the maximum number of people to have that kind of realization. You know, right now uh, we not only uh, create a situation in which you have extremely poor people who, uh, you know, are really aware, like we force them into situations that are unenjoyable and they can't escape it literally at all. Right. Um, but for everybody else, we create a completely fictional psychological situation in which wherever you are, you shouldn't be happy. There's always some other place you should be or something else you should be experiencing or some other car you should have. And yeah. none of that is like, all this is self-reinforcing nonsense. You know, uh, and it, like nobody has to be suffering the way that we that we are. But, you know, you but we reinforce this system because of the immediate emotional payoff at, you know, uh, where there are levels of choice. We tend to make these bad choices, you know, and uh, and I and that's the, like watching the big short. I was just like, motherfucker. It's just like <laughs> I can't root for I can't really root for anybody here. And I'm glad that they make the movie so likable and so much fun, because if they made it, you know, uh really about people like this i'd be like i just can't stand watching folks like this but that's the thing that's interesting <laughs> about that right i mean it's good that you you bring it up and you keep saying it's like well steve carell is not the hero etc cetera, etc cetera. but right. if you look at that movie if you think the average person's gonna watch that movie they're gonna think steve carell is the hero of course and and I think he's gonna make money you're rooting somebody you know is gonna make money yeah, you know, this is this is the thing. It's like Chris is right because like the like I, Steve Carell, Steve Carell's sort of uh, uh, you know uh, Robin Hoodish goal that he at least that he says he has in the movie like makes you want to root for him, you right. know, and or like Christian Bale, like you root for him because everybody else he interacts with is an idiot who doesn't see the vision of what he's doing. Right. Right. And so it's easy to side with these guys. They're in, in the position of the story. They're the little guys versus the, the, wall, the giant wall, you know. Right. Um, but in actuality, the situation is, you know, they are opportunists. And, they, yes. and everybody involved is an opportunist. And people get the story so wrong sometimes. I mean, I, this was happening with the with the, uh, uh, the the GameStop stuff. And listen, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm 
I, I don't. I think hedge funds are corrupt and a bunch of other yeah, things. Yeah, there's no absolutely. pro or anti thing to be said. No, here. no. I, but but I, but but people were basically like, "This is us proving to the man that we can take them down." Right? It's like, are you? Wait, that's first of all, I'm not sure you're doing that. Number one, and then right. the other one is like, Robinhood is corrupt because they stopped trading, and they're they're siding right. with the man. No, they stopped trading because they couldn't make the the, the payments. They can't make exactly. They're in the position of get of getting shorted out of business, right? Yes, they and couldn't so, make the, like right. they had to stop it because they couldn't they couldn't right. back all of the the money that was getting put into the stock. Right. It's like, now, hold on, Robinhood was liquidating some people's accounts though. Yeah, no, it's, like it's bad. Like, there's not like there's no point in talking about. It. It's like there's bad people all over this, right? And the thing is, like the the Robin Hood or whatever, like whoever you want to make a good guy in that scenario, it's that is only one end of what is happening. Like, there are no good guys and bad guys. What you're talking about is a fucked system, right? Right. Like, and you can pretend you're the good guy, but actually you're part of the fucked system. Like, right. and there's you cannot have the system. And then celebrate that you're that you're fucking it up when you're doing it, like that doesn't make any sense, you know. So like I think that what's 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 heartbreaking is that we are so uh, desperately in need of fulfilling this emotional story of sticking it to the man. Like everybody in the country feels this way on the right and on the left. Trump for Trump supporters sticks it to the man. That's why they like him. That's what, like, he's like, like he, look at him. He's just like, like, he just, you know, laughs in their face. He just, he doesn't pay attention to these stupid rules. Like, that's why they like him. They're, he's yeah, sticking to that the That was Brad Pitt's character. That, Brad Pitt's like, character was an outsider, too. There was a lot of outsiders. Right. Like, like, like all of these, like, there's, there's a way to look at yourself as a fucking hero in every angle of this thing. And this, the ultimate story is the, there are no heroes here. Like, this is a broken game. And everybody is suffering in some way. Even yep. people that are incredibly fucking rich, they're chasing something they can't have. And then things collapse from underneath them. It's like when I brought, it's like, imagine if like this whole scenario is if, is if like people were, we all got like a million people got together to play uh, a six chair game of musical chairs. Right. And every one of those musical, every one of those people bought, a, bought a share in a chair. Like the whole design is for there to be no chairs left. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like there's no good guys and bad guys. The system doesn't make any sense. Why are you playing? Yeah. You know, like that's why are like, you playing? Why are you playing? And so like, yeah. like ultimately this comes down to, and I'm all flip it over to Moneyball for a second. Like Moneyball is one of my favorite movies the past 20 years. And it's not because I love baseball. I'm not a giant fucking sports fan, as I said. Right. It's because it is about a person realizing what is actually satisfying to them in their lives and coming to a, a place of balance uh, in respect to hit, like what he loves and what he needs and everything else around him. Like that's why the movie is a is a is a success. It's not because you win the fucking pennant and you're the good guy. It's because you stop making everybody else pay the bill of your anxiety. Mm. Yeah. You know, and this, these, this is the theme of these movies. And this is the, this is the, like when I, when you know, when I go on Twitter, or when I go on Facebook, like, you know, I'm like, I, I, I do not like the, the only person that like, I have trouble saying, I, I like, I, I hate Trump as a person as much as I know him, but I don't even know him. I hate Trump as a force. 
and what Trump represents, I hate. But I, after that, I don't hate anybody. Like, I don't hate people for being Republican. I don't hate, you know, even though I think they're doing, you know, like this, you know, a lot of these people have done horrible damage and treated people incredibly cruelly. Like, from their point of view, they think they're doing the right thing. And that is the problem. Like, and I don't want to, I do not want to do anything uh, to continue that, to feed into that problem. And so, like, when I get online and I see people fucking screaming at each other, like, what do you think you're doing? You're only making the other side more dug in. Yeah. You know, right. like think about what is what, like you are somebody's bad guy. What is that making them do? You know? And so I see a movie like big short, like the, I watched the whole thing. I'm like, this is very, very funny and very, very entertaining, but the bad guy is all of us. That's the only well, thing I can take. Maybe away. you and Chris, but yes, well, I understand. Clearly, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is this is our responsibility, all of us. And there's gonna be plenty of people that don't take responsibility. But if you actually care about it, you should stop trying to find the bad guy. Like and start trying to figure out how to make it better for everybody, even the people you don't like. Yeah. And that will start with what? Basically talking to anybody and, and I always felt like the dialogue needs to be not so caustic and, and yeah. splitting between Republican and Democrat, but 100%. just what is what do you think should be done? Absolutely. And, and, and that's how I that, feel. Like, no matter how fucked up, like whatever they say in return, like just listen to what they're saying so you can figure out what they are, what they're really saying. What like so you can figure out what their actual pain is. Right. Yeah. You know, like, because, like, you can talk to somebody who's a fucking, you know, racist jerk or whatever. The like, if you do not uh, bring your anger forward, then you will hear ultimately what is causing them pain. And I promise you, it's not uh, whatever people they hate. Like, it's something else. It's something economic. It's something about their family. It's something else, and they're they're putting the blame in some other place. And someone else is taking it, making is taking an opportunity to uh, to make that worse for their own benefit, like Trump, mm. you know. Um, but there's a system in place that can be dismantled if you do not come with anger, right? And so when I see the Big Short, all this kind of stuff, or like um, or the great documentary. Um, uh, inside job uh, narrated by Matt Damon about the same thing. Like the, uh, I always say like, this is like, this explains it very clearly. And I, and I love what it's saying, but just be careful not to demonize anybody. Otherwise you're part of the system. Does the inside job demonize? Inside job uh, do, does not full, does not demonize. Like it's, it looks at the system as bad as corrupt. Like yeah. there, there's individual people that are bad actors for sure, but it looks at the entire thing and says, "What the? What is this mess? Like how do how do we let this happen? You know?" And I think that that is a much more. And I, you know, it's like I've for people that know me, like this is not a new position. I felt the same way since nine eleven. You know, mm -hmm. I was like I was on Manhattan for nine eleven, and it was you know I was very I was very very lucky to be. You know, I was uh, I was by the Empire State Building, so I'm miles away. Right. But there are people that I love who were very, very up close and personal with what was happening. Right. And of course, just being on the island, you feel like this is now going to happen. Like somehow I might die by the end of the day. That may happen. Right. So it is traumatic and it is bad. But like the uh, the I was blessed to be there um, uh, because and a lot of people who were there said the same thing that uh, everybody around me, 
everybody that I saw on the street met randomly, tried to treat each other well and with care. Yeah. Like everyone was trying to help one another automatically people you didn't even know. Right. And that was happening literally everywhere. So that is what made me believe in the goodness of people period. Right. Changed my world. And my extension off of that was like for the dudes that flew those fucking planes into the buildings, they thought they were the good guys. They were doing evil for sure. They're murderers, but they were motivated because they thought they were doing good. And if I don't accept that as a truth, I will never understand why they did it. And I will keep on reinforcing reasons for them to do it. If yeah. I keep on saying they're the demons and we must destroy them, then I am adding to the situation that creates them. And I think that that well, one problem. We were the good guys going into Vietnam too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like the one thing you have to do, whether it's the fucking financial system or whatever it is, is like, but definitely believe like you have, you want to be the good guy. You want to uh, change things for the better. Ask yourself, am I being the good guy for the right reasons? Am I doing this for real or am I contributing to this that I don't want? You know, and I think that that happens at every single level. And definitely when like the, the collapse happened in 2008, I'm like, you know, it should not have been shocking. Like it was, but it was shocking because no one. Oh, could we're imagine. about to go through it within a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Again, because this, this, we were talking about CDOs that was in the movies. Now we have CLOs, which is just a CDO that's renamed to CLO. And there's exactly. tons of CLOs. And an mostly, ELO, which is a great band from the 70s. But oh, I love them. But it's also, the CLOs are all in commercial real estate. Right. And it's so going to be, yeah, commercial is the big, big thing that's going to. Yeah. And especially after COVID, where everyone realizes they don't need to go to an office anymore. Yeah. All that brick and mortar yep. stuff destroyed. Yeah. What's the point? So, so, so that's, that's going to be a big Absolutely. problem. Absolutely. And, New York. And, and, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, it's just not going to work out very well for people. Yeah. And, and like, and we can see like the, the, uh, the, the collapse of the studio system going through. And I just saw another, time. I just saw another article about, you know, a lot of people are leaving California because of high taxes and a lot of, you know, there's right. a big exodus and all the people that are going to other places you know texas colorado wherever they're they're going uh they're driving up the the housing problem there because they're paying a lot of money for houses so they're they're it's the same problem <laughs> right crazy. well that's same what's happening in, in austin in <laughs> exactly. particular right austin now everything is going crazy right. and and right. yeah 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 like uh, i a friend of mine um uh, a friend uh, i think you guys all know i know just moved or is going to be moving to texas and uh and moving to austin and that's you know that's the new exodus like i know a lot of people in the effects who are uh, either moving to texas or moving out right. you know and uh and like all the stuff is like you know like covid like i think you're right it's like covid really gives you an opportunity to see what really matters and that's right what what is the thing you are holding on to in your life that uh isn't real like your identity as a rich person or the per or you're a californian or you know you're i've i got to become a film director or a novelist or i have to be blah 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 like is that maybe it's true but is it actually true you know like here you are where's that novel it's covid right. <laughs> you know, do you actually if you don't want to do it it's okay it's okay you know like things can be fun you can still be happy 
and not believe that there's someplace else that is happier that's making you sad. Hmm. Yeah. I think, but you can be a filmmaker anywhere nowadays. No, without a doubt. If you don't need the studio yeah. system, you need your phone, which you probably have, and you need access to a computer to put things up on YouTube. As we've been preaching left and right on the show, like uh, not only is all the equipment dirt cheap, there is literally nobody in front of you to try to, like between you and putting your movie out, uh, visual effects you can largely do by yourself uh, for 50 bucks a month with a, uh, an Adobe, uh, license. Oh, I have a, I have a, a great example. Like, uh, uh, my daughter, she's takes drama class, right? So now that they're doing drama class through, through zoom, right. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Think about yeah. that. Right. I know. So, so, so she's doing it that way. And the, 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 the guy's being very creative. Like I'm really impressed with how creative, uh, uh, he is about, you know that so that's kind of interesting mm -hmm. but anyway uh so she's doing that and one of the things they had to do was they were they were looking at these these uh bad ads or fake ads that are mm -hmm. out there right or for fake products right? right and so they had to make a commercial there themselves for a fake product that they want to <laughs> do right i love it i love it and make it funny or do whatever they want to do. So, uh, uh, <laughs> they basically, she decided I'm going to make a product where you write into this company and they will, you will, it will be a fan letter from a fictional character. So let's say you love Harry Potter, you write into this company and Harry Potter will write you a letter. Like that's the <laughs> whole point right. of the product. Right. right. And so she said, that's what I'm going to do. And so she said that and she says, well, what you want to make a fake character? And I said, yes, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend that I'm a guy who's having a hard time at work and I want a fan letter from Travis Bickle. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she, she was that. I was like, yeah, your, your drama teacher would like it, you know? It's beautiful. And, and so, and so I, and so she had these little testimonials that she put the whole thing together on her phone got her friends to play little, you know, you know, behind the scenes. Like, I got a great letter from this person or whatever. Like everyone contributed to her thing. It was done in like 15 yeah. hours. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's filmmaking. A plus. Right. A plus. By the entire thing, vertical video, which really frustrated me, but it was done. That's because yeah. we're old. That's okay. We'll, we'll get used to it eventually. But yes, right. <laughs> I feel the same way. I feel your pain. Done. And it looked, it looked great. Yep. <laughs> and awesome. by the way, she edited awesome. the whole thing on her phone too. Yes. That's crazy. The whole 100%. thing on her phone, graphics on top, uh, voiceovers, yes. music, everything. What I find funny phone. is that she's taking a uh, acting class via Zoom. Right? Oh, that's great. I love it. So Dude. imagine like the notes, everyone is like, you know what? I really like how your your voice is muffled. I love that. It's that's it's what you're doing reality. with your voice there by being very far away from the mic. In the well, kitchen. <laughs> the, 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 really interesting is is having their perform because they do you know twice a year or three times a year uh, or, or a semester they'll do performances and they're all the performances that are on Zoom and and that's so you great. all that's the great. parents are, are are tuning in on Zoom and watching their some of them are fantastic fantastic you know oh man and they're doing really they're, they're making a great effort to make this happen i was like that's really impressive. this makes me super happy and also like, along the same lines now do, do you guys uh, know anything about the uh um uh the tiktok tra uh, rat ratatouille musical that happened mm -mm. oh like this this blew my mind like it was felt like there that uh people started doing just on tiktok people started doing 
uh, songs for Ratatouille as if it were a musical that just became a thing, right? And you had people that were writing really sort of pretty good, very focused songs and singing them pretty well. And there were so many of them that people started to stitch them together into YouTube uh, videos that were like, here, it's sort of turning into an actual musical. And wow. then uh, and then they put on a live performance with like the guy from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, and I was just like, what the fuck happened? You know, like it was this absolutely grassroots filmmaking event. Uh, and you could watch, you know, like all these actors doing a completely new spin on this uh, this awesome animation, um, and uh, and all this was created in just like a month. You that's know? crazy. And then like like that's the kind of thing that you're going to see, I believe, more and more and more of. And like that, like that's the stuff that like COVID does. You know, yeah, it's dragged the world like this. We're on this fucking situation, but at very least, like people's response is not, you know, uh, necessarily. Uh, you know, to just sit around and do nothing. Like they're coming up against what they want to be doing. And a lot of them are just like, well, I still want to be making movies, you know, or I want to be an actor or I want to do whatever. And then only it's integrating now with a network of a billion other people that want to do the same thing. And you end up with movies, you know? And like, like this is the, like, if you look at it that way, like that's, that's opportunity. That's taking, that's not being opportunistic. That's uh, making an opportunity. Like that's the opposite, and yeah. uh, and I think that that's like that's the kind of growth that we could all be going through, you know. Because like it's fucking awesome to see that stuff, and like it, to see it like uh, you know when I see that when I hear about like your daughter making uh, what was a, a Travis Bickle fan letter movie is that what you said it was? Yeah. <laughs> like like that makes me so much happier than uh, than the news of Disney putting out. Uh, announcing 17 more Marvel films. Right. Like, uh, like I, I hear that and I hear exactly. That's the noise I made. I was like, Oh, please, please. No. <laughs> the death of hope, man. The, it's death, just... the death of hope. Yeah. It's, but that's, it's a... the worst. Uh, like that, you know what that... I love? I love, I love, and I bought, hold on a second. You guys hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I got this today. I love this show. Can you guys see me, Chris? I can see. Can you, you see me? Can you see me? I can see you. Yeah. Fleabags. Fleabag. Oh, Fleabag. Sure. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Phoebe Waller-Bridge's uh, Fleabag scripts for people who can't see Eric's video. That's fantastic. I love that yeah, show. She is a master, man. She is an absolute oh, master. A master. So good. And not that, not only that, she is collaborating. I believe I, I maybe I dreamed this, but she's collaborating Star Wars. with Donald Glover, who is the other great master of television. Like, yes. uh, Atlanta is one of, if not the greatest yeah. show I've ever seen, it's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. And Donald Glover is the, uh, is, is such a champion between besides that heart to heart. Uh, well, yeah, that's why I said, you know, it's one of the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah obviously, I do have caveats. Uh, but uh, but uh, the heart. <laughs> but yeah, like, dude, that is that's a dream come true. That stuff. Things will evolve. They will get better. I, I think that we are leaving the studio system behind, and uh, you're going to see a hell of a lot more flea bags. That's my, my dream is yes, coming true. But I don't think they're going to go. It's going to go peacefully. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. No, no. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be yeah and people are just very much holding on to 
it, and people don't want to be told, I think you're doing this wrong. Like they don't, they don't really. No. Yeah. No one, no one likes it when you say the emperor has no clothes. No, no one happy when you do that. Can I, I have a very serious question to ask of the two of you. I brought it up before, but like, I just want to hear what your thoughts are on this. Um, if say it like I'm Steven Spielberg, right. And I personally have many, many millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is stopping me from spending say 15 million of those dollars to make a movie of my own with people that I pay no studio, uh, make that thing, put it up on the, the internet and and, and charge zero to $5 as you wish. And then making $300 million because I'm Steven Spielberg and I make that money directly. So, okay. So let's talk about that. For, so Louis CK did that. Mm -hmm. Right. He made his, he, he did all that exact thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So he, he made his comedy show and bankrolled it himself. Mm -hmm. Asked everyone else who was involved in it to say, you know, put in sweat equity and I'll pay you back later. Mm -hmm. Right. It's Louis CK though. Yes. I understand. <laughs> See, it's the same example though. It's Spielberg. No, right. it's not. Well, <laughs> And so let's, let's, let's follow, follow through, follow through, follow so through. So he said it's free or you can pay for it exactly as you said, as a model, $5. Mm -hmm. He made tons and tons of money, enough to pay everyone back and say, put all of his kids through college and pay himself off for, for like for living, whatever. And he did that. And then he made a series. What mm -hmm. was, what was it called? It looked, looked like a, like a, like a, a play. play. Yeah, what was it called? I, I haven't seen all of it. The stuff that I saw, I mean, I with no commentary on uh, Louis C.K. or any of his any of those issues. Like right. that was excellent, excellent stuff. Like just his raw writing, that was great. It was right. Great. So he he did that exact thing. Now that was Louis C.K. As Eric very eloquently pointed out. What do you mean eloquent? I'm just was saying that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it was eloquent. Don't deny it. No, it wasn't. I just you was and your like... fancy words. Right. You have to, you have to get to a certain point to be able to do that. Not everyone can just say, charge oh, what you want. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Right. So, so yeah, but I think my, my perception, my perception, okay. my thing is though, is Spielberg has a lot of fuck you money. Okay. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure. So right. what you're talking about, and that's why I said it, the difference between Louis CK and Spielberg. And, and Spielberg is that with that FU money, it's like, it's not even a hit to his interest, quarterly interest. You know, like it's just it should be an easier thing to do, right? Than Louis C.K. So absolutely, yeah, somebody, somebody. It's like, look, I saw a thing, uh, read a thing, and um, that um, Jeff Bezos' wife mm -hmm. has right. given more money than because in divorce she got. $50 billion That's and she gave good. 15 billion away already. And they, the, it was finalized last year. Right. right. He gives like, you know, 200 million a year and right. she just gave away, she's given more than he has collectively <laughs> for the past 20 years. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, why wouldn't you, you have a $200 billion. See, that's still always the problem I've have with, with the idea because, you know, having lived in, in Texas and the Republican thing is like, we don't want government handouts, but the rich have a responsibility to donate to charity. That's the, that's the moral thing that they basically put out to themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So I give to, 
my causes, my church is a specific one, right? Or whatever. Those are the charities that they want to give out to. And you're saying that's my choice of where my money goes to, not the government's choice. That's the Republican point of view on this thing. The right. problem is they don't actually give away all of their money. They only give a portion of their money away, right? Exactly. All the fundraisers or whatever. It's a very, very very small portion and having heard from specifically i mean i heard this specifically from uh bill gates who's like no matter how much money is given out in charities and he's the biggest philanthropist of them all it's like it's a drop in the bucket compared to yeah, what course. is necessary to actually solve the problems yes of course right okay just to, to clarify i was i was only saying that not to get into a discussion about you know um having enough money and solving the world's problems. Right. All I'm saying, I think I was trying to refer back to what Dan was saying was that for somebody like Spielberg to do exactly what he just talked about mm -hmm. would be nothing. I mean, he wouldn't even, his accountant would even call him on the expenses. Right. It would just be like, Oh, Going okay. Exactly. And the fact that he would never do that or think about that. And he's such a visionary guy. He's like, is he so stuck into a system? It was an interesting question. You poised, poised, right. because I just was like, he has enough money where it wouldn't right. affect. Oh, I think he's part stuff. of this. I think he's definitely part of the system. He's yeah. the one that, Oh, he is. Yeah. He, but it's he like, is the one that complained about Netflix. He's, you know, he, the movie theaters. Yeah. The Movies, he's got a big stake. all of that stuff right and right. the same the same thing uh but another example to give you another example eric is uh neil blenkamp right mm -hmm. when he did Oats studio that was right. a big fuck you to the studios that he mm -hmm. tried to do didn't work sure right yeah it didn't but work it's, because it's he, risk, yeah. he, he went all the way to distribution that's where it fell through like if right. he'd actually just taken his stuff say and then i'll sell it to netflix right it might have worked Right, and, and and to throw up a couple of other examples along the same lines, like you have uh, Steven, Steven Soderbergh has also been sort of flirting with this, um, sort of trying to come up with a middle, middle uh, a third answer model uh, for distribution. And he's done it a couple of times with um, um, a Channing Tatum movie and with a horror movie. And these things, like both versions didn't really work, but he's, he actually writes about why these things didn't work and why these experiments didn't work. Um, and uh, and now he's he's got a sweet spot working with Netflix where he dropped a movie at the beginning of last year without even any fanfare. He, no one ever knew he made it called uh, High Flying Bird, which is an incredibly good movie. And then he dropped a movie at the end of the year um, or at the very beginning of this year, which was uh, uh, Let Them All Talk with Meryl Streep, which is a secretly great movie, even though it seems like it seems mellow for a while. And then the ending is, makes the whole thing great. But the he's trying to find that sort of third way. But the fact is, is that people on YouTube are doing this literally and it's working like it's yeah. not working for everybody like everyone's going in it to make their own you know everyone's going into it for free without the intention of making bazillions of dollars because they know the risk if they go into it trying to make a million dollars they're going to fail right but people that do get enough followers start getting paid and then they have reached a point where they have total control over their content because youtube doesn't give a shit um and they're delivering what they want to their audience who has been sculpted for them by them. Like, why isn't that like, why, why isn't that the model for every artist period when you have a name already, if you're Spielberg or whatever, like, why wouldn't you just go, you know, like, you know I what? I got to tell you. Yeah. It's you brought up something. It, I'm interrupted. I'm sorry. No, please. Good. Um, I literally, and I think I had mentioned I was going to have it, but I had a discussion with, 
a guy a week and a half ago. I'm not going to say any, right? He basically is head. He, he was talking to somebody and that person likes something I'm doing. So he talked to me and, you know, eventually he's like, I could try to help, but he, I don't, I don't think so. Point is he was a major head. Sure. Big, big gun. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy. I can't believe my takeaway was like that. He's totally out of touch. Right. It was the most depressing. Right. It was a half hour conversation and it was all, everything was like a, a, um, it was a cliche, you right. know, like yeah, swearing I a little a bit. lot of those conversations. That's what and I it was, was kind like of... swearing and like, yeah, right. blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I, and I felt like Woody Allen, you know, where that guy's like, Hey, I want you to write a little something here. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. you remember how in like uh, Annie Hall, where he's <laughs> writing best. comedy, he's like, yeah, can you write something like that kid? You know, Sean Dark like, means the lights out in the bathroom. You know, yeah, that kind of, yeah. yeah right. Can you do that kid? And it was like, and I wasn't trying to be snobby or anything. I just was like, this is why our industry sucks. Oh yeah. yeah. I, that's what I was kind of saying when I said it's it, no one, cause I, I got to go to these people. And basically if I'm talking to some of them, I was like, I, the emperor has no clothes. Right. That's, that's what yeah. it feels like. I like this, this is ridiculous, right. but that's the system. Right. right. And they 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 don't want to hear. Yeah, of course not. They don't want to hear that. Like they they don't re- like they don't realize that they're in the first twenty minutes of Empire of the Sun when all these rich uh, English people don't realize that their life uh, uh, in uh, in this in this foreign country is about to be completely dismantled. Right. Like it's already happening around them, and the streets are <laughs> the streets are emptying. You know, <laughs> and this, <laughs> like, this goes back to how much money do you really need? How, how much, much money, money does exactly. does he really need Spielberg? Right. Because he he's got enough money where he can take these chances and do something that's incredibly beneficial to everybody. Right. Well, what's he going to do? Well, I mean, he could, could he could, like, he he could, could make too. a movie or he could open a Holocaust museum, right? I mean, that's, that's what he's doing, right? Right. So, so that's what he's. I mean, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, right? I think that. I think that's that's wonderful. I, mean, I think, but like, I think that like the, like the. I mean, Spielberg is just a name example. Like, you can use anyone who has any kind of name at all. You know, any filmmaker who has a name, and to an extent, like Zack Snyder has done this with, uh, via the Snyder Cut hashtag on Twitter, like allowed him to get leverage with HBO to make a version of, of uh, Justice League, that's going to be up uh, next month. I'm just like. There's an enormous amount of power to be lassoed there um, that I don't think people, like artists, realize that they have, you know. And I, I think that, like in, in YouTube circles, like they they totally realize it. But those people are not famous yet to the studio level people. Like there are people that I can list. I can if you know I, I'm talking to someone from you know the stu- from the studio world, I can list like ten people from YouTube who literally have millions and millions of views every week and the people in the studio have never heard of them like right. that means they are like the studio people are, are going to be out of business soon <laughs> like that's that's the nature of it if you don't know who these folks are then you don't even know what your competition is because your competition has already eviscerated you and you are dying and you don't know it yet yeah you know that's what's going on and I, and so like i think that you know like <laughs> the big short brings all this kind of stuff in where it's like the emperor has no clothes big short that's basically the theme right um but it also that makes you ask like why exactly did we agree to this incredibly elaborate clothing manufacturing scheme for the emperor then 
<laughs> like why why is why is that a thing why am i paying for this right <laughs> you know and uh, at every level whether it's uh you know whether it's financial or whether it's creative or whatever it is like all of that is turning a corner right now and i hope that you're right with what you imply art like uh, like we should i hope that we look back on covid as um uh as much of a blessing as it could be you know and say like do we do we do we take advantage of changing our lives yeah. For, well, for I think the there's also we a lot through. of people trying to bring back the status quo, like mm -hmm. hold on to their jobs. And, and sure. it's, uh, it's, um, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange time, yep. but I think there's going to be a lot of people. Uh, uh, I also think the young people are very affected by this and it, we're going to see a lot of problems down the road. Sure. Absolutely. Somebody with a 13 year old daughter, I think just kids you know, locked up all the fucking time. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, that is not psychologically good for anybody. That's not no. psychologically good for, you know, a 49-year-old person, let alone someone whose brain is or actually Or for like me, a 38-year-old person, yeah. I know, yeah, I mean, for you, it's nice. But that, yeah, like, like that's that's the deal, right? It's like, this is, like, there's trauma that is that we are going to be dealing with this for years and years and years to come, you know? And, uh, and I think that, like, it's not, you know, to take a silver lining from that, that means there's an opportunity for people to talk about their experience via art, like it's at a time when the ability to do that is bigger and more open than ever, you know? And I, the, so that, that's what gets me very excited about when you talk about your daughter making, you know, like <laughs> making, uh, essentially making a movie in a drama, drama class via, uh, 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 zoom. Right. That's like, incredible. that's the reason like that is fucking as awesome as like, like we are like we've been in a plane crash and all we have is wood to make fire so let's tell some stories anyway <laughs> like yes that is the appropriate response that is actually what you're here to safeguard right you now i think that, there's some stuff going on in chat that we should that we've been ignoring oh yeah let's let's hit it. what we got uh, uh go okay. ahead Dave, Dave 3D guy says, for some COVID, is Brad Pitt holding a gun to the back of our heads behind the convenience store, telling us to be a veterinarian? <laughs> An excellent, excellent point. Uh, Alan Schaller says, Dan, uh, Dan where, where can we see some of your work? Um, uh, if you look me up on YouTube, uh, you can uh, you will see I have a couple of short films on my page uh, and an enormous amount of uh, Zardoz episodes, yep. which are completely nonsensical and you may or may not like them, but they exist. Uh, also but look up spoiler. There. Look up spoiler on Vimeo. That's a pretty uh, good yeah, spoiler one. on Vimeo, and also I put it up on YouTube as well. Um, uh, so there's a uh, there's a zombie film that I did called Spoiler, uh, starring by the way Dave 3D guy, uh, and uh, it turned out very very well. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, if you look up Spoiler Zombie Vimeo, you'll definitely find it, or it's on my page on YouTube. Uh, and for people that are actually in the chat, I will put that up there. On my page at YouTube, you will also find an audiobook of one of my short stories, and you can go on Amazon to find the books that I've written uh, as well. So uh, please do any of those things, and if you if you can, if you do like them, please tell people about it, because none of these things are very widely seen or read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Um, you also did some really good uh, Tron spoofs, uh, which, some, uh, some, uh, which you can find on Ben Hansford's page, if you Google it, Tron reboot Ben Hansford you'll find that uh, and um, uh, and I also want to point out uh, we uh, the three of us worked uh, all together on uh, an excellent um, uh, spot for V 
V-Ray uh, called V-Ray IRL, which you can also see on YouTube. And it's very, very funny. Yep. Uh, I'm quite proud of that one. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for people in chat, I'll actually put a link uh, to my page right here and some stuff. Uh, and Chris, you can take it from there while I'm doing that. Yes. Uh, actually, I also want to point out that about three, four years ago, my daughter was interested in filmmaking stuff and she uh, I wanted to do a short with her and then we decided I was going to make her the director of the short. Oh, she's fantastic. And too. Dan Thron was her AD, which was basically like her teacher. And uh, we did the whole thing in a day uh, and it, it was a really great experience for her to sort of see all the energy that it takes to put into a short and all that stuff. So she really got into it. Oh, really and tried. what was cool right. is that, you know, making a movie or making a short can be quite tedious, especially if you're like 10 years old as she was at the time, but she stuck with it and like really paid attention to what was going on, um, which was really awesome. So um, that was Dan being a great teacher as well. Oh, they, that was a, an extraordinarily fun day. I thought it worked out great. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to hear that she's continued to do groovy stuff. It's not a surprise, yeah. but I'm really happy about it. Yes. Oh, and I'm uh, going to throw out one more thing because I know that uh, uh, Todd's is not, I don't know if he's in our chat today, but he is, uh, him and his son are often in our chat. I wrote a role-playing game with a couple of friends of mine, Chris Elliott and Todd Shaughnessy, many, many years ago, a ridiculous thing called Whole Human Occupied Landfall. It's hard to find, but it got four stars on Amazon. That's it. Okay, that's all I got. That's my promo. Nice. <laughs> Uh, nice, nice, nice. So, uh, yes, and he did do a short about the day in the life of the visual effects artist, which was pretty funny. But, uh, oh, that's right. You go with Carl Denham, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and uh, and Chris uh, Norption, Chris Norption. Uh, co-directing. Yeah, absolutely hilarious. I will give most of the credit to Chris Norption on that. He was the uh, motivator behind it, and it's right. very, very funny. That is called Digital Grunt, Digital a very popular Grunt. one in Russia. Bizarre. Yes, it's popular in Russia. It is. It was very, very popular in Russia. It is. I think. I think it crossed language barriers very easily because it was essentially like an old school silent film. Yes. Gag. It's pretty much. Did you guys film it slow and then speed it up? It's like because everything's sped yeah. up. Yeah. Right? Everything okay. is sped up. This is all all Norpshin's idea, and I thought it was absolutely hysterical. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some uh, some both Carl and I put in some very fun gags, nods to Nosferatu, and some other very fun stuff that we liked. Yeah, that was a good time. No Nosferatu. Yes, Ferratu. Yes, Ferratu. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the giant right there. Uh, well, uh, listen, I'm not saying that we need to end this, but I'm saying that we've done, we've, 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 we've covered this, and it was, it was a good film. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, we're gonna do this film, and I got, you know, it was a, a rental, and I said, okay, I'm gonna rent it. I was gonna start watching it while tying flies, of course, and I just got completely engrossed in it and watched, watched it like all twice. It was just so good. So I really appreciate this this film and this suggestion. And also, uh, as just so you guys know, we do take your suggestions very seriously. So if you Absolutely. have suggestions, let us know about them, and we'll put them. We, we will. This one kind of jumped the gun. It was like this is seems timely. We got to do this one right away. Oh man, great! Yeah, I want to say another shout out. That was a that was a really uh, uh, yeah. uh, really really Good great pick. idea. Yeah, great, great pick. But and so definitely, please send stuff our way. And uh, of course, we are looking for two kinds of suggestions. One is for movies to talk about uh, for our regular podcast, mm-hmm. um, and the other is that in between times, for people that uh, have not yet heard this, uh, we do uh, watch parties um, yes. uh, every you know every every so often on Saturdays. 
at the same time. And uh, watch parties are via Twitch and Amazon. So you connect your Twitch and your Amazon and then come and join us and we'll, and we talk during the movie that plays. We're looking for suggestions for movies that are either things you've seen so many times. It doesn't matter that we talk over it or right. uh, things that are so dumb that it doesn't matter if we talk over it. Uh, we did RoboCop last week. And I got to tell you, that was so much fun. Such a good movie too. Oh my God. That was, yeah. such a, that was, it was a fun to do. And it was also uh, like, it's so great. I mean, like that movie, people remember that fondly and think it's going to be terrible or like a goofy, bad movie. That is a goofy, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was a total blast. Yeah. And, and the commentary in, in the chat was hilarious. I mean, anyone, I mean, who was, who was here? Dave was, was uh, Jason was probably here. I don't know if Dave was, was here for the, for that one. But that uh, yeah. 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 There's some great stuff. Uh, Todd's was here. Yes. Uh, some extremely funny lines. You can still watch that in our Twitch streams. You can uh, watch it, but you, it's kind of hard because you kind of have to, I don't know if sync you want it up with Robocop. sync yeah. it up with Robocop or whatever, but it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's there to be played with if you want to do definitely it. Definitely there. Yeah. And there's a, there a lot of fun stuff going on for Robocop for sure. Yeah. But yeah. yes, we do have a couple of suggestions. So if you guys have ideas, you know, the, some of the, I'll just put it out there. Some of the things that we've talked about and, if you guys want to in the comments want to say, hey, yeah, I really want to see that, or that sounds like a good one, vote that one up for me, or, or prioritize that one. Um, that would be cool as well. Um, I also want to uh, let's. There's a great comment um, uh, from Jason in the uh, that sums up a lot of stuff. Uh, Jason in the uh, chat says, uh, as a bootstrapless homeless man, I can't I can't believe how bad things have to get uh, for society to snap out of their paradigms. I hope the positives of this stick around. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. That's a yeah. That, I feel exactly the same way, and uh, and certainly the Big Short is a great, you know, that's a great way to Reminder. bring up the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Right. What I also liked about it was like it was explained in such a way that it could apply. I mean, anybody could understand it, and they made it so it's you know it wasn't this complex. Yeah. You know, underlying trying to figure it out. They were so fun about it that they wanted everybody to get the message, and that was the great thing. Yeah, no, and it's and like this is the guy who directed Anchorman, you know. So it was, oh, a, yeah. it was so no, I know, yeah. It was a real surprise to see because Anchorman is an extremely funny movie, but it's easy to mistake that as uh, because it has extremely funny people in it. But it's actually a very well made movie, and uh, with this one, Adam McKay proved that he actually has the chops to direct. Did you ever see him do that band Saturday Night Live about Glenn Fry? Oh no, I did not. Oh my god. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, he will it was late night early nineties or mid nineties. It's you can see it somewhere, but it's um Ben Stiller, Will Farrell, and uh he directed it and Will Farrell plays Glenn Fry. Oh my and god. It's oh like what god. are you willing to do to um you know I give you you know, I'll give you a thousand they goofed them at the bar, Ben Stiller, and they said to Ben Stiller you know, what would you do in, to get to bed with Glenn Fry? <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just goes downhill from there. It was banned, though. They wouldn't show it, but oh Adam McKay directed it. And okay, the yeah. best part is where he approaches, Ben Stiller approaches Glenn, um, Will Ferrell playing Glenn Fry. He's like, yeah. He's like, hi, you're Glenn Fry. He's like, yeah, I'm working on a screenplay about witchy woman right now. <laughs> <laughs> Based yes. on the song, witchy woman, yeah, I just right. was like, it's so much fun. And oh, I was yeah. like, God, this director is incredible. It was the funniest thing. Yeah. McKay, that was McKay, Adam McKay. Yeah. yeah. There's also, so many things that don't make it on, on satellite for every, uh, like there's so many things that like, if you just give it a little bit more chance, it could have been something great. 
It was pretty yeah. cut in on Glenn Fry. I mean, it, there was there were sex scenes where you know he was making Ben Stiller eat dog food, and it, I can understand. <laughs> no, 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 chew it this way, and oh, they're naked in bed. Oh, that's uh, good news. That's good news. Yeah, and the thing is, Ben Stiller's actually had a couple of projects that I wish had because he did uh, Heat Heat Vision and Jack. Did you see that about the 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 bike that could talk? The motorcycle that no. could talk. Oh my god, oh my god I do remember that. So fucking funny. Really, really great stuff. You hit the nail on the head when you were talking the other day because I see that Eli Roth's doing a video game movie now. Oh really? Yeah. See, that's it, dude. That's gonna be the licensed gold mine of the future. Video games, that is where it is at. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say expect the world to be dominant. Like Star Wars, I believe, will fall away. Avengers will fall away in less than five years' time. The two things you're going to hear about are uh, manga adaptations (laughs) and video game adaptations. And that's going to be literally your entire media life. I think that is what's going to be happening. That is the truth at all. It's man to man. uh, Like, hopefully, we did our part by introducing people to the promised Neverland. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, regardless, yeah. it's coming your way. That is the truth. That yeah, is. Lily's doing this interesting thing that she's got because she's she's a huge fan of uh, 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 Attack on Titans, and so what she's doing is she's she's got this thing where she's taking she's printing out pictures of Attack on Titan characters, then she's taking a sheet of glass from like a picture frame, and she's mm-hmm. tracing the picture, and then she's reversing it, and then painting layers of paint to get all of the different cell shading on it it's taking oh, yeah. her a long time and then she creates these little these little glass art things yeah. of her anime characters she's creating like four or five of them i was like where did you get this idea it's like i don't know it's great and she's like oh, so good. making so much stuff it's like how many picture frames do we have that we're not using it's like geez oh, hold on lily <laughs> oh dude oh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, that's that's good business right there. Yeah, it's oh, 3D <laughs> says 40th anniversary of Escape uh, Escape from New York. That's a great idea. Oh shit! Is, yeah, is it's if if Escape from New York is available on Prime, then definitely. Yeah, that's the thing that. we have to caveat is it has to be available for free. Right, on Prime, right, right. So you have to go on Prime, and if it is, then yes, a hundred percent, it is done. Oh that's my it. god, that's nice. the next one. Escape nice. from New York. Escape is, from New York. Uh, I, I'm that is next preview. week. Like I, I can't. Okay, that's I'm already excited about this. But yes. I, I want to give you a preview of my feelings on Escape from New York. I, I'm a big John Carpenter fan to start with, but Escape from New York. I used to not like this movie. Like I was like, what is the point of this movie? It's so weird and it's it's such a slow, strange thing. Uh, the, I hit a point sometime last year, pre-COVID, where I was watching this movie every single day for a week because it suddenly hit something in my brain. And so as an advertisement for uh, the, uh, the watch party we're going to do, expect me to have a lot to say about Escape You know what I would just realize? You know what? Okay, here's an interesting thing, Dave. Is after you said that, I was like, Escape from New York. I said, that's great. And then for some reason, like the back of my mind, I was like, wait a minute. Did we already do this as a watch party? Like part no. of me thought we already did it, and I know we haven't. And then yeah. I was like, the, what memory am I having that makes me believe that it was a watch party. And I, what happened is I think I remember putting it, putting it on TV and watching it with Brady and Lily uh, and yeah. Brady said, was like asking me like, what the hell is going on? Like, cause yeah. it was just so weird. It like I had to, film. Up, had to talk through a lot of it. Yep. And so that's why I think it felt like a watch party. 
Oh, dude, this movie is perfect. Not only that, I'm going to say, like, the, Escape from New York may be my number one. I'm putting that uh, on our, on our, yeah, on let's our put right. the bit database right now. Yeah. Uh, Escape from New York might be my ne- number one choice for COVID movie of all time because those guys are on lockdown. <laughs> like, right. That's it. They are, they're definitely stuck in that place. And I think the level of crazy they reach in that movie is equivalent to the level of crazy that some of us have actually reached in real life. <laughs> Right. Some, cre- some creative uh, answers of what do we do with our time when all of Manhattan is totally boarded off. That's a great, uh, that's a great suggestion. So we'll definitely <laughs> do that one. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, I do want to, you know, sort of throw out there, if you guys have anything that are doing some of the, uh, sorry, some of the podcasts that we have suggested uh, that we could do, uh, we did okay. Uh, Circle Rouge, the Samurai, Get Carter, and the Limey. And the Limey, yeah. Great Although we did, yeah. we did suggest Get Carter and uh, Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. Oh yes, yeah, the Limey's Beast. better. Yeah, the Limey's better. The Limey's okay. a little more direct. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the Limey is sexy. I mean, uh, it's Get, Get Carter. Carter. Yeah, it's basically right. Get Carter. Right. Yeah, okay. it's Americanized Get Carter. And by the way, on Criterion right now is uh the original. The postman always rings twice. Oh yeah, good. One. Oh really? That's yeah. good. With uh, uh, Lana Turner. Yeah, and uh, uh, Garfield. John Garfield. I want to do. I kind of want to do Jojo Rabbit because we okay. also we talked what about. What if we do Jojo Rabbit and Xanadu? <laughs> Perfect. I'm With the Wiz, yes. Jojo Rabbit and the Wiz. The Wiz. The Wiz. Hey. The Wiz. <laughs> you know who is like who worked I, on Xanadu? You know who did? You know who worked on Xanadu? Uh, was uh, Joel Heineck. Yeah, I was about no. to say Joel Heineck. Yeah, Joel Heineck worked on Xanadu. Yes, that's the best trivia I have ever heard. Yeah, that with is, that uh, is with, not tops. With uh, Gene what's Kelly. his name? Gene Kelly yeah. and uh, and, uh, and well, Olivia Newton John. Olivia Newton John. Yep. Yeah. Holy smokes! That's wild. Hey, that's wild. Guapo. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, uh, I know that we're probably rounding the bend on, on the end of the podcast, but I want to, uh, quickly throw out a couple of things that I watched that I want to recommend. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I, uh, what to hand for one second. I, um, I watched Malcolm and Marie on Netflix, um, with, um, uh, um, uh, uh, John David Washington, who is in, uh, uh, Tenet as well. Uh, and, uh, Zendaya, Zendaya, Zendaya. Uh, and I would recommend this. I think this is a, I really enjoyed it. It's a really unpleasant film to watch because it's a, it's about, it's a two hour argument movie. Um, uh, but it's the kind of like like, a podcast. Yeah, basically. Uh, and, uh, uh, but it's gorgeously photographed and it's like, it's exactly the right response to pandemic filmmaking. So I, I think that it's, it's not, it's not unflawed, but it is, uh, it's a really, really, uh, fascinating, angry, nasty kind of picture. Um, and if you can sort of sustain your, uh, you know, if your attention can be held by what they're fighting about, then I think it's actually a very fascinating movie. Um, and oh shoot, now I I just lo- lost the other one, but that was the that was the uh, one of the big ones I wanted to recommend. And everyone watch Fleabag. Definitely watch Fleabag for sure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, I I I'm uh, I I got to the point where I saw all the things that um, are being nominated for best picture or, or in the in, you know, film critic circles and all this stuff. I don't think I've seen literally anything from last year. I may have gone nearly a year without seeing a movie, <laughs> like without seeing basically a new movie. Everything is on uh, Netflix. Oh, there's my cat. If you guys can see that. 
Nice. Um, but the uh, I have so I am personally looking for recommendations because all I've been doing is watching Fear the Walking Dead while I work. So please hit me up. Okay, so I I mentioned this a couple of years back, and I don't know if you guys ever watched it. I'm trying to. It's it's been so long that I kind of forgot the name of it. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, it's it's on it's on definitely on Amazon, and it's called. Uh, crap. How. All right, keep talking, guys. I'll find it. Oh, I remember the other movie that I wanted to recommend uh, yes. that is on Netflix. It is called Space Sweepers, which sounds like it's going to be terrible, but yes. it is absolutely fantastic. It's an incredibly charming Korean science fiction film, and they are uh, they really go crazy with making this thing work. It's absolutely insane. Like it's uh, like it's loaded with sort of mid level visual effects. Uh, and, uh, and it has the tone of like, uh, uh, the host, if you've ever seen the host. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's sort of wacky, sort of tragic, sort of ridiculous. And, uh, it feels like, um, and I'm going to say something controversial here. I don't like the fifth element and I never did. Uh, <laughs> this is the fifth element. Only I like it. So now I understand that's called space sweepers and it is now on Netflix. I'm a big fan. Nice. Uh, that's... I recommend. Go ahead. Fleabag. It's just such. And yeah, it's so great. Oh, now I remember the series. Have you guys ever watched Forever? No. Wait a minute. What is that? Didn't you tell us to watch that? I did, like two years ago. Yes. This okay. Is with, What's uh... it about? Okay. Fred Amistad. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, Maya Rudolph. Yes. And Kathleen Turner. Yes. Keener. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember this, yes. Um, I would say watch it. Mm -hmm. I saw it when you told me to see it. Watch the first three episodes because that's when shit turns to, a, okay. to an existential play. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. That, and it's I like, it's it. like, oh, this is kind of goofy, Fred Amistad. I've seen Portlandia. It's fun. It's like, wait, what the fuck is what going is on? So he's talented. <laughs> That's yeah. good news. I highly and, and these are things like you find these things that are, are really good. The other one that was fascinating, I've been I've been trying to find these things on streaming networks that are where did that come from? Uh, uh, Undone. Have you guys seen Undone? Oh, it's great. Holy smokes, that's great. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, that's really wild. Definitely. So definitely that, check that one out. That one's also interesting as well. No, that's awesome. Um so. yeah, no, they, they, it's been uh, like yeah, like I said, please said the for me recommend the weirder the better I, I like i need more weird in my life uh and uh uh because like uh work is lovely and i work with lovely people but being in the same gray dark box that you see me in right now like if i don't start getting some strange art back in my eyeballs i'm going to go crazy pretty soon yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. please i would say please tweet us uh uh at martini giant uh at martini giant uh, let us know what you think about all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, you can sure. also reach us on uh, Instagram at martini underscore giant. Um, you can of course, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Twitch now, you know how to reach us. But for those of you who are not on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash martini 
underscore giant as well. That's right. And you and can email us. You can actually get to hear the podcast live as opposed to having to wait several weeks for them to come out. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Say like, get, get a you know, sneaky uh, uh, little future view. Yeah. So uh, remember, it's 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, uh, minus uh, HMT. Yes. Uh, and that is every Saturday. And if we don't do a podcast, we're doing a watch party. The watch parties are not podcasts. You just have to be there. It's to just a hangout. And yeah. uh, we encourage as much uh, chit chat in the stream uh, as we, as you possibly want. Uh, yes. We try and call out everything that we see. Uh, and we're, we'd love to get, uh, you know, donations in so that we can buy Eric a second camera so he can walk, look at his drawings while we're. This is no, definitely I'm, on uh, the plate. I'm, I actually am setting that up. Really? I'm very yeah. excited. Because I got the thing already. And, what, nice. and what's the what's the word on our future merch? Um, oh, nice. The merch, stu- uh, the merch stuff is we're just going to start off with some T-shirts and some masks. And uh, I got a little busy this week with the uh, work stuff. Also, uh, doing all the uh, what's it called again? The artwork. The right? artwork. I did all that artwork oh, for yeah, the show. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. What, and then I kind of front loaded, so I did all the stuff for next week's show. Mm-hmm. Plus, I did the big short stuff. And then I did you use those movies at all? Or no? I did, is that yeah. a waste of time? No, I put those up on uh, Instagram. Yeah, and... it's a script. It's crazy. Oh, it's so great. I just can't so, keep feeding them. So awesome. Um, there you go. Yeah, I'm, but that's uh, the merch stuff. I I have the designs. I just have to basically I'll get it up there, and you guys pick which one you want, and we'll do that. And for those of you who are watching our Twitch live, the episode that's coming out on Wednesday is going to be blow up and go with a dragon tattoo. Oh, that's a good one. That's we 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 for that episode. That's a good episode. Yeah, those of you who who were here for that, you guys know how uh, how heated it was. I believe that was a saucy one. I believe Jason uh, uh, put up a big popcorn sign when uh, Dan and I got into a big debate about it. Uh, And you also you didn't like the movie blow up. I did not like blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's a little preview there. Uh, he did not like right. the, and and I try to make a uh, a completely fruitless argument to everybody in chat and to both of these gentlemen here um, that, that Daniel uh, Craig was a worse character than the character that, in Blow Up. That Daniel Craig is the actual <laughs> villain of uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I tell you right now, I failed, but I stand by it and listen to that podcast anyway. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Eric, I'm not saying that it wasn't a good movie. I'm just saying I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a it's, it's a, important it's a, distinction. It's okay, Chris. It's it, you know, it's um, yes. I mean, you don't get it. There's you know, good taste uh, in movies, and then there's a good taste in movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's, it's a little uh, more sophisticated no. palate, and I understand. You know, you don't have it, so that's it's fine. I'm okay yes, with it. You know, and I, I want everybody to get along and rarefied. Gonna... Right. Yeah, like hey. a true Democrat. um there you go um but the other thing too is um fleabag i can't tell you how beautiful it is it's so good wonderful great writing chris have you seen it Mm -mm. oh yeah watch just one please what is it it's a show yeah she wrote it dude i bought the scripts and i i I just was like what is it what where is it available uh, uh, Amazon. Amazon. I believe it's Amazon. Um, it's yeah. not for kids. Okay. Oh, and, she, uh, it was a one-woman show. She's brilliant writer. She's do. She did work on Star Wars, you know. Okay. 
Yeah, that's right. She did punch up work on Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. So she did this and she only did two seasons, but the cast is incredible and the writing is flawless. And she's yep. got such a unique voice. So she stars in it, wrote it, and I think she directed them. Yes, I believe so. I believe that's true. Okay. An incredible writer. Um and hilarious uh, and constantly breaking the fourth wall. Great sense of humor. I think you would get it, Chris. Yep. Yeah. And it takes place in London. You know what we rewatched yesterday that I haven't seen speaking of fourth walls is a Deadpool. I sorry, but that film oh, is a fucking movie. great movie. That's a great movie. That's a great, great movie. It's really good. Yeah. Really yeah, good. That's, that's that is a perennially hilarious film. And uh, and I have to say, like the one thing I always want to point out in Deadpool is like that is needlessly brilliant in its structure. Like I was like, you don't even have to be this well structured for this movie to be enjoyable. But when right. I watched it again, I was like, that's a fucking great script. <laughs> yes. that, is, that is perfectly perfectly rendered i absolutely that, loved it think about how much they executed in that budget yeah Sup superior you yeah. weren't nothing was lacking yeah no that's you, know I mean? good. you that's didn't good. miss anything right and the quality of the work was fantastic and it was yeah. what 30 million 25 million to that's how to do it that's how to do it and, and it was that was a little bit of a risk for them and it basically broke up an, an entire new venue uh for right. uh, superhero films so like that that was that was yeah, like it wasn't for deadpool you wouldn't have had logan you wouldn't have had yeah, the Joker. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely true absolutely true and, it and they didn't want to make years, it for a while 10 right? years 10 yep. years it was sitting on the shelf yep yeah it only, that's it, why it, i keep thinking with my thing is just you got to keep going there's no other choice that's the way to think about it it's just like you you enjoy working on the thing you try and get it made there isn't any other choices involved. Those are the only things that right. are happening. You're just. The problem is, Eric, I don't know you're, you're him. Still, I don't know him. Play, you still have to play into the system, and that system may not be around, just as we discussed. Yeah. You, just gotta yeah. focus, you just have to focus on making the work and do your own yes. work. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. Just keep writing every day and creating. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know him, even though I worked for him briefly, but you're friends with him, Chris and Dan. But I had heard that he was pitching with his producers. Um, not, I'm not saying that. Talking about um, Tim? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't claim to know Tim. I only, I've met Tim a couple of times. I'm a very nice guy. All right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Chris knows him. So I had heard that he went somewhere and, and an executive, they showed the trailer that he did or teased. This is before yeah, they the made teaser. the movie. Yeah, right. And he's like, okay, so, you, you know, he went on a bridge and he shot this. Okay, so where are we going with this? And the guy's like, no, no, that's, they're like, that's CG. He's like, no what? okay yeah he apparently he was like sure it's right. not but anyway continue and he's yeah. like no 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 it, no, that was CG. it yeah that's right sure anyway let's get... right it was just like yeah. he you couldn't bet. accept apparently from what i heard that yeah. that, that, that sounds CG. very likely but the thing yeah. is that teaser was made uh long ago Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, like seven eight seven years before at least seven years before uh the movie came out uh, and I believe Kevin Margo was actually the, the VFX. I was director. working yeah. there when that teaser came out. Yeah. 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 Kevin Margo, a, um, a filmmaker friend of uh, all of ours and, yeah. uh, and quite excellent in his own right. And right. Uh, that is a, that's a tremendous bit of work. That, that bull thing, Jeepers Creepers. That's some funny business. Yeah. All the studios, all the studios said is like, no one will ever, pay to watch an r-rated superhero film sure yeah. sure yeah that's right <laughs> you think about how happen. ludicrous that statement was but if you think about seven ten years ago when this is when all those x-men films were coming out and right. you know the beginning of the avengers films and spider-man 
like they like this is for teenage boys right 10 12 those are the people who want to go see those movies right little kids parents are going and they're enjoying it because of their thing but it was like no one's gonna see an r-rated one and it was like tim was well, like i think you're wrong yeah that's I know, right but just the concept of saying you know what somebody brought something here they obviously worked hard on it i, I want to take his perspective a little bit and maybe i can learn and move forward right Right. But it wasn't. It was like, no, it's very, very, and well, we're done. Uh, we, I, I've said it, I know, a million times, but it's my favorite thing to say, is that the studio system used to, there used to be a healthy relationship with indie film and indie filmmakers, where studios, like, for instance, I don't know, Disney, like, they had, they owned smaller shingles, Touchstone and stuff like this, that they would distribute indie films through that didn't have the Disney logo on them. So they didn't have to worry about them being rated PG or whatever it was. And they would pump out these lower budget, uh, exper more experimental films. And if they hit, they treated that as the, uh, as the uh, uh, farm league, like baseball does for filmmakers to tackle their bigger stuff. So they had inventive filmmakers with a, That's right. uh, with, a with a proven sense of idea and, and real skills to tackle their licenses that were expensive, but that has been broken. Like that is. Why been... didn't Tim Burton start off that way? Tim Burton started off this way, right? And so the uh, like Pee-wee's like, Big Adventure, like well, up until like for the past, like yeah, and uh, you can see he started with Frankenweenie, right? Because he was an animator first, went through, and then did uh, Frankenweenie himself, and was, then that... they asked him to do After Hours. Was that right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. and then wow. he's like, wow. and then Scorsese expressed, and he's like, "I'm not going to compete again." Let, yeah, no, that's Martin's thing. I'm not right. doing. I'm not touching that. And this was like this relationship was the sort of uh, this was the brokered deal that studios had reached with indie film after the uh, the 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 collapse of the studios in the in the early 1970s in America, because uh, studios had reached a point where they were making nothing but Marvel films. Well, meaning Doris Day movies and just empty yes. trash, right? We're now, we're now in the Doris Day film. We're now, in, like, we're now in the Doris Day zone, which is just like, you know, the studios are making uh, like just the same thing over and over again and expecting us to keep on buying it. Uh, that led to collapse in the 19, uh, 1960s and 70s, late 60s, early 70s. That led to filmmakers like... Um, uh, uh, French Ford Coppola, Hal Ashby, all mm -hmm. these people the suddenly, the, right. All these guys uh, suddenly got lots of cash from the studios because the studios were like, please fucking save us. We're dying. Right. And that has recently happened again. It's starting to happen with the Marvel films because now they're putting people in charge like Chloe Zhao who directed The Rider. And if no one's seen The Rider, see The Rider immediately. And off of that, Chloe Zhao is making uh, the film that she has always wanted to make. She's using her, the big money she's getting uh, from Marvel uh, to make her own uh, version of Dracula, which she's dreamed about for apparently years. This is how we get new great experimental film, right? This is how you promote new great filmmakers. The studios are just starting to figure this out again, even though they'd totally forgotten. But it's going to be, in my opinion, too fucking late for them. That's yeah. what's going to happen. They fucked it up. And now it's going to be YouTubers and TikTokers, and that's what's going to bring us the new fancy shit. And I, I, I relish it. I look forward to it. I also relish and look forward to Chloe Zhao movies because she's incredible. And what's his name? Uh, uh, um, the Mandalorian 
Oh yeah, right. Well, the the, the, the uh, New Zealand guy who did uh, uh, Taika Waititi. Taika, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's great? Who's incredible? And you know, he, like uh, like that's like they, that Marvel's uh, Marvel's best, most lasting films are going to be made from those directors. The superhero genre will fade out. You can quote me this later when it doesn't happen. You know, fine, put it up there. But right now, I feel that uh, superhero films will probably fade out starting you know starting now. Uh, and uh, and the studios are going to fall in favor of the creators on YouTube, etc. That is my prediction. I I believe I believe you, mm-hmm. Dan. I'm not a hundred percent sure it's YouTube, but it's going to be something like yeah. YouTube. Well, I'm using that sort of an umbrella term for yes. Everything. I believe there are going to be things. There's going to be things happening non-studio based. Non-studio based yeah. platforms that are out there. Like, there's so many. Like, what's the new hottest new things that everyone's trying to send me invites to? Which uh, Clubhouse? There's, yeah, Clubhouse. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. Clubhouse, and then there's oh shoot, there's another one I heard. But, but yeah, Clubhouse is the is the sort of like you know you're your own radio station right. app, right? You know, so uh, so like obviously this like everything is about turning over creative control to creators and delivering them. Uh, very niche, not niche, niche audiences, um, and uh, a clubhouse is obviously designed to do that kind of thing. Where like we we can have where as much as we interact with the chat here, which is totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Like with clubhouse, and not to advertise from them, just seeing what I saw is uh, like you know day three D guy and Jason will be able to take the stage and actually talk if we give them per- permission to ask right. questions and make comments. Right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty great. You know, and that's like, none of this has been possible before, but now that it's all possible, any company that has not made a bet on it, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm, I'm yeah. But th- like there, th- there's something about, um, <laughs> there's something about the metaverse that's more and more real. Yeah. Right. Happen. Yeah, so, for sure. you know, you're talking about the blending of games and movies. Yeah. Metaverse is 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 a reality that's yep. that's going to happen. Yep. Uh, and I th- and 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 we are already too old to appreciate it, which is fine. I will still know? appreciate it, but I'm going to use all the lingo. Listen, one people, year late. People in their seventies <laughs> are still listening to AM radio, so uh, no, you know what I mean. So so uh, so we are still well, watching. Well, if they make a king of comedy game, meta, yeah. that would be great. Oh, dude. Well, yeah, yeah, first yeah. of all, they are making the fun. If you, fun's if, over, Jerry. Dude, if you, if you, if you, Eric, if you play, do you have a PS4? I have a, I have a PS4. Yeah, then you should play Last of Us Two. Last of Us Two, yes, absolutely. And then you're going to realize, oh yeah, I mean, don't play with Olivia. It's not Olivia friendly. But you will realize the blend between filmmaking and games. And absolutely. You will look Absolutely. at that and go. All right, I'll Holy buy it. Crap. Here's the deal. If it's not expensive, and I'll invoice you. But here's the deal. Um, <laughs> I, you know, a lot of the PS stuff is like, you know, Middle Earth shit. I don't like that kind no, of stuff. Like no, 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 no. This is not no, that horrible. You like, like I was really into yes, but I don't want my visuals to be. You know, and the thing is, I mean, like, they're like what Chris Last of Us Two is 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 apocalypse stuff. Yep. And it's nice. beautiful. They're making a movie. They're making a movie out of. They're Black making Black. a movie of it. Of course they are. Right. And, Have you heard uh, of Borderland? Border, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's what Eli Roth's making. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's perfect for him. Yeah, super yeah. fun. Super, super fun. In fact, like that, and that brings us into an entire other world of these. Like Borderlands was also not only a shoot 'em up action game, Borderlands was also ported to be what they call uh, now a Telltale style game, even though the company Telltale is no no longer, um, which is a character driven interactive bit of filmmaking, uh, yeah. along with the Walking Dead video game. Now, I'm I like uh, Fear the Walking Dead. I'm not a big fan of The Walking Dead, um, but the tip-top most emotional experience I've had with The Walking Dead license is through The Walking Dead video game via Telltale. Mm-hmm. And it's because the writing and the acting and the and the production was A+. Like, this was like watching... This is better than watching TV, for sure. Like, 100%. And it is a video game. It's a completely interactive experience. And so, like, when Chris brings up uh, Last of Us 2, like, the fluidity with which you're able to go through this, like... The Last of Us 2 is a triple A major title worth a billion dollars, right? And so, like, that level uh, is not some weird indie shit. Like, that's as big as Star Wars. That's oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely gigantic, yeah. right? And the the separation, and for, for much of our audience, uh, they have probably heard of Last of Us 2. Some of them have played it, some of them love it, um, uh, or have opinions about it anyway. But the the audience is so separate between that and film that they can't imagine video games being an emotional experience at all. Well, I promise that if you play something like that, you'll totally cry. Absolutely. Like, 100%. And Alan, Alan brings up, like, why would they need to make a show out of that? There's already 40 hours of experience just to play the game. Because <laughs> there's lots fun. of people who will <laughs> not play a game, right? Yes, that's so right. To reach, to reach someone like, 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 like you know, uh, Eric, who's such a resistant to technology and, <laughs> and all the things that are going on there, force him to play that game I'm or make a movie. Technology. I'm not resistant to technology. No, no, I would say like I mean, I'm in, joking, Eric. I'm with, joking. With, I, I do want to point out to for the for like uh, Eric is not only not resistant to technology; he floods the Martini Giant uh, Slack with links to the craziest fucking technology I've ever seen. That's so exactly I why I'm bringing it up. One hundred percent. Okay, so you're joking. So yes, you're yes, to yes, yes, yes. Everybody says that. Right. Okay. Yes. That, that no, no. I, I just I never got into video games because I wasn't allowed to have video games. So right. I never. There was one video game I loved. Why weren't you allowed to have video games? We we, uh, we weren't allowed to have stuff like that growing because up. Because Satan uh. made <laughs> Clearly, they were, the, they were the devil. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's there's a friend of Everybody mine. Everybody had and, Atari. And at a friend time. of mine. There's a friend of mine, and 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 he he's my age, and his uh, he's got a daughter, and uh, you know he and I grew up around video games and played video games a lot, and we think that a lot of those video games have influenced us and made us the people that we are and the things that make us a good person, right? Or the careers that we've gotten have been driven by that excitement for video games in a lot of ways, especially in the 80s, right? And his wife is like, video games is a cause of violence and bad for kids and creates Mm. mental problems. No. Which I don't know where the hell that information came from. That's like PMRC That's stuff. And, and, and it's open. like so no video games for right. uh and I'm like and he's like, Well, you know, she doesn't and it's like Boy, that's gonna suck because you yeah, know but, that video games is what made you a better person. Yeah, but yeah. here's the deal. I have to say, because I had mentioned this before the library in my town was the first to rent videos in the late seventies. Yes. So yeah. I can go and get three at a time or four yeah. at a time. Get nothing but Woody Allen films. 
<laughs> well, always a Woody Allen film, but you know, you try Claire's Knee, you try all these cool films. Sure, right. So whatever I wasn't doing with, you know, Atari, we weren't allowed it. Of course. To, um, yeah. You know, we were doing that, but I just, yeah, it wasn't. So, was, so this is the thing. This is ultimately the point: is that video games have <laughs> video games have reached the point of becoming uh, of 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 doing Claire's Knee for video games. Yeah. Like, like there, there is real, especially the video, the indie video game scene is filled with absolute, real, moving, deeply written art. Yes. One hundred percent. And yeah. uh, it doesn't even take a lot of digging to find it. In fact, one of my favorite video games of the past couple of years, uh, it's a completely indie game, but it actually ended up doing very, very well. It's called Disco, Disco Elysium, Elysium. Yeah. which is a, is a tremendous work of art across the board. But there's much smaller games that you can buy for like seven or eight bucks that are uh, in, in that same ballpark of quality and very you experimental. Should also, you should also like even even games like <laughs> when I played Bioshock Infinite, I was like, or yeah. all the Bioshocks, I was like, this is the cre- most elaborate, crazy story. All right, this oh, is beautiful. what I'm going to do. Beautiful. You tell me, you think A Last of Us or Disco Elysium? I would say I, I, you brought it up, Chris. I would say uh, you might. Okay, you might love Disco Elysium. That's a really that's a really fascinating one and very very arty. Um, if you're going to play a big title, I would say you could probably watch a couple of videos on Bioshock, how Bioshock One and Two go, but definitely play Bioshock Infinite, which is an absolutely beautiful, bizarre, incredibly art-directed bit of yes. work. Like, yes. I think that you'd appreciate it simply from the design aspect. It's, it's very radical, weird. Plus, radical. it's highly political, libertarian yeah, point of it's view. Yeah, absolutely like, wild. Absolutely wild. Out of control, strange. Yeah. And I believe, because uh, like the, the art director, basically, I, it's an Anne Rand film, but made into a movie. Well, it's yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's a critique, it's a critique of Rand, critique uh, of, of Anne Rand, Rand yes, it's a critique of Anne Rand, um, uh, because like it's essentially imagining um, uh, Atlas Shrugged uh, yeah. in the most in the greatest extreme, um, and and so ultimately, Bioshock uh, Infinite is a very harsh critique of this kind of thinking, but yes. the uh, the uh, the the art design. Is extraordinary. You, probably get it, you could probably get it pretty cheap because it's an old game. Yeah, it's probably, uh, and you could get that for PC as well. You get uh, it, yeah. Last of Us. Oh, last, last, of last, us. last of Us 1 and 2. I would just go with Last of Us 2 because it's the latest one that came out. I don't know if you really need to watch Last of Us 1 before you go into 2, but just for the experience of seeing filmmaking as game because that one really has a lot of stuff. And it's, it's warning, it's a hard, it's, there's a, it's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's what these mean are hard to watch. It's, it's a lot of it's emotionally and, and and violence and yeah, and, and a lot of heavy yeah, stuff. Very heavy um, things going on in that film. But there, there's there's loads. Even uh, like one of the one of the big award winning games. Um, I mean, it's not of, you know, it's not it's not uh, you know, uh, Bad Boy Bubby, but you know, <laughs> not quite exactly. Uh, but like uh, the. Uh, one of the big award-winning games the past few years is called Undertale, right? And I know that one. My okay, daughter so, has that. Yeah, and Undertale, it, on the surface, is sort of like a, a goofy, you know, low-res sort of mid-80s yep. pixel art game. But the genius of that design and the storytelling in it is actually uh, a very complex moral problem game uh, that essentially turns the fact that you're playing it against you to make you analyze your own uh, beliefs about um, uh, 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 forgiveness. Hmm. And it was, it's, it's extraordinary, you know, and it's like on the surface, it's a very fun, cool little game. Is that the one with the Fox? 
Uh, it, it is the one with um, the bone man, the 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 uh, the, uh, the guy made of bones. It's the one where um, you yeah, like the, there's the the flower. Spoiler alert! It's been out for years. The flower is the villain. This kind of stuff, uh, and it's uh, it's a brilliantly done bit of work. And like this was made. This is all 100% like 8K stuff. You know, this is not, or, you know, like it's, it's the lowest res non polygonal stuff you've ever seen. Uh, like video games have become uh, a stage for artists to really talk about stuff. Uh, I, mean, I guys, I got to get going. I forgot how. Oh, I mean, that's why when he's talking, so Chris, I can't, you know, I, can't I, I, I have some eloquence in me as well. I'm just you saying, do. Why would you cut his voice off, Chris? Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm tweeting. Uh, but yes, uh, with, uh, there's probably an entire I'm gonna do it, guys. podcast awesome. about video games that we could do. I gotta say, tonight exciting. was a very good, good, good show. Yes, yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate the suggestion. Let me quickly ask a question before everybody goes. Yeah. When is the last time you physically saw Dan? Me? Physically? Last yeah. time I saw. I saw me. <laughs> I think the last time I physically saw Dan uh, when was, we did the show like, at your place. When we did a show at my place, like yeah. in, in like June. That's the last yeah. time I saw both of you guys physically. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. That's true. How's my beard looking? It's looking pretty good. I, I don't like this thing because I look uh, – let me just tell you one thing. I'm looking at the camera every, when we do this, and I'm like, God, I gain weight, and I work out so much, and I'm still looking thick. And you I look got great. This, you look great. You look great. I got to turn you the lights the down. Beard. So it's just Rub the beard, and then he won't see that jowl underneath there. I'm going to turn this yeah, up. That's so what just, I do. I mean, uh, there's two reasons I'm doing this. One, because I'm fat. Two, because I look like Maximilian Shell from the Black Hole. Well, right. That's my only goal. What if that I just did profile? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There you I go. this OT because I really don't have a chin. Like, I like I can't change a pillowcase. Let me just put it that way. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that's no a, that sounds like a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a metaphor. That's a, that's what I can say. I can't change a pillowcase. I just bite them. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, hey man, I'm in. I'm I'm down. I'm, uh, that's all I'm saying. Um, so the uh, so we are going to be looking at uh, next up. What do we got? We did next, so next week, it sounds like we're going to do Escape from New York, which is Escape awesome. Escape from New York. We love this. Uh, we have a couple suggestions out there. Like I mentioned, we said we talked about uh, uh, Get Carter. I also really want to do Jojo Rabbit uh, as a reaction to all the QAnon people being fooled. Oh, uh, I thought that Jojo yeah. Rabbit would be a good uh, yeah. Okay, so let's do Jojo Rabbit and The Wiz. But why The Wiz? <laughs> I, just met, I just was trying to like see if – I rolled the dice on that one. But it could Joe, be Wiz, Xanadu, Rabbit. That's it. That's it. I think that's it. I think we'll get Jojo Rabbit. The and... that. Jojo Rabbit. Okay, if you guys can think of a good, uh, uh, you know, if a, a good pairing with Jojo Rabbit, tweet at us. Mephisto at Martini Giant. There it is. Uh, I think it would be a good idea. All right, we're gonna take it off. We're gonna say good night. All, All right, right. You ready? Yes. Talk. Drink. All right. Thanks, guys. I'm gonna shut off. You the always take a beat, Dan. I do. I want to be sure that I don't cut you off. That's good. That's good. I appreciate it.